Yo, 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 what is going on, you guys? It's your favorite internet radio show, the Sticky Buttons Podcast. And we're back for a really special episode today, our Game of the Year episode. Yeah, I'm just so excited, man. Uh, I guess just to, to introduce ourselves, I'm Blake. And this is Brandon. Uh, <laughs> and I guess before we get into it, I guess we really just wanted to acknowledge um, it's been a really tough year in the, in the game industry. 10,000 people um, were laid off this year and you know we just kind of wanted to acknowledge that and mention it It'd be very disingenuous um, I think for us not to go into the end of 2023 without acknowledging that it's been a tough year in, in the games industry and in the world in general um, but you know we're here to celebrate the games today and that's what our game of the year is all about so I'm, I'm really excited to get into it um, and we've got a really exciting, a really exciting announcement. So, Brandon, dude, shout it out, man. We have started a Discord for our podcast. It's been a long time coming, but we're really proud to be able to have that up and running. Shoutouts to all of the supporters who've already joined. We, you know, we're having people filling up the Discord. The chat's been great. Some great discussions there. So, tune in. Join the Discord, share with a friend, and we're looking forward to interacting with everyone there. Yeah, so so we wanted to make the Discord free, so it's going to be in the, um, I guess a link to join it will be in the um, description of this episode, and I guess we'll just continue to put that link in the episode description of episodes going forward. Um, we have all our links there as well, so I think that's just a natural place for, for the, the invite to be in. You know, feel free to join us. We'd really love to... Uh, um, to interact with you on. Um, if you have any questions, there's a there's a, a channel for questions, and I'm excited about that, and and just excited to, I don't know, have a Discord. It, it's been fun already. I, I kind of this morning I shared um, that I I finished a manga, um, Naruto, 15. Um, I posted a little screenshot of that. So that's awesome. I don't know, I'm just I'm just excited for it. Um, but also I guess just really quick before we get into it. Um, our show is listener supported. You know, Brandon and myself, we pay for this out of pocket. And if you'd like to help us monetarily, we do have a Patreon. And if you join our Patreon, you get access to a quarterly bonus episode and a access to our Minecraft realm. Um, yep. yep. <laughs> and yeah, dude, I think we're I think we're ready to get into it. Um, I, I'm personally really excited to, to I guess celebrate 2023. Dude, I can't wait. Um, all right, dude. Let's do it, man. So I guess do you wanna you wanna start us off? I, I really your number ten. Okay, I I really want to hear your list, but I'll start it off. I'll, I'll I I can start if you if you don't want to. No, I I got it. I got it here. <laughs> let's let's get this one out of the way. This one was like a bit tricky. I was like, do I do I put it on the list or not? I it was rough kind of like getting this one, but I decided it deserves its spot on the twenty twenty three game of the year. Um, so that's gonna be. Pokemon Scarlet. Um, it got a wow. 6 out of 10 on IGN. Its initial release date was uh, November 18th, 2022. So still a 2022 game, but almost 2023. So I, I counted it for this year. 
Uh, it's an RPG, as most Pokemon games are, developed by the one and only Gra Game Freak, which we all know and love. And it was on Nintendo Switch. Um, so let's set the record straight, Blake. This game mm. isn't nearly as dire as some critics make it out to be. Reports okay. of game-breaking bugs are often exaggerated, with only occasional frame rate drops and quirky camera behaviors affecting a minority of players. Despite the vocal mm. criticisms, the issues are relatively minor and shouldn't hinder the overall experience for most players. But now let's delve into some of those disappointments. Um, oh, man. You know, <laughs> That's so much I want to say. <laughs> the, <laughs> you keep going. <laughs> the aesthetic letdown. Um, the game's aesthetic receives a fair share of criticism, departing from the iconic Pokemon look. The character design leans towards a younger audience, which may not resonate well with longtime fans such as myself and, and Blake. Um, as well as the sparse open world, while boasting a massive open world, the game falls short in terms of substance. The vast expanses feel empty, with only hordes of Pokemon and raid battle nodes to discover. The lack of puzzles or side paths diminishes the thrill of exploration. Um, also the exploration's downside. The freedom of exploration comes with the downside. Areas have set levels. This design choice diminishes the challenge, as returning to lower level zones after exploring higher level regions leaves wild Pokemon and gym leaders significantly underpowered. Um, as well as questionable models, the Pokemon models have their fair share of criticism, with some likening them to balloon animals or pool float foam. <laughs> <laughs> the diminutive size of many Pokemon makes navigation challenging without unintentionally stepping on the tiny creatures. <laughs> and also, last, last but not least, the Terraform's missteps. The introductions of Terraform's as defensive mechanics fall short, marred by the limitation of use once per battle and the underwhelming impact on gameplay. While a good idea in theory, the execution could be improved. In summary, the game may not appeal to the old school fans, as the lack of reward, uninspiring exploration, and bland environments deviate from the essence of Pokemon. Towns, unfortunately, feel monotonous and inaccessible. And for those prioritizing the latest game experience without dwelling on these concerns, there's still enjoyment to be found. However, for those seeking the nostalgic charm and death synonymous with Pokemon, this installment might not hit the mark. But that's why it was number 10 on my list. I did have a good time, um, despite all of those challenges. Uh, it was still it was still fun to see Game Freak give us, give us this new region, this new form of Pokemon. And I'm excited to see where they go with this feedback going forward. Oh, man, dude. I have so much to say. But first, <laughs> I just... <laughs> I just want to say I'm incredibly proud of you in this moment. I feel like you came with a book and you came with your, your research in mind. Dude, I really You're ready to defend this game. <laughs> so very proud. I'm also I'm I'm super happy that it's on your game of the year list. Um, and I've got to say it's not on mine. Um, and I guess just really quick, how we structure our game of the year list is really not dependent on on release year. We kind of just if we talk about it in the year, you know, and we think it's relevant. That's how we pick things for our game of the year list and dude number 10 is the hottest spot um because everything else is on the list but like 10 it's almost not on the list and, exactly oh dude i'm i'm so happy that you put pokemon scarlet and violet um on your list man because as much as we didn't really talk or really we didn't have a lot of positive things to say about it throughout the year definitely not um, <laughs> 
it, it did a, a lot of really cool things. And one of my, my biggest grievances with the Pokemon, um, I guess, formula and the recent Pokemon games is when you start off and you get onto the first route, like it's like there's just a, a Bidoof or a Bidoof equivalent. And it's just like a Pokemon that's like a rat and a Pokemon that's a bird. And I think that I, I talked about this when, when we had our episode about it. I caught over 20 Pokemon before I made it to the first Pokemon Center. Yeah. And I had enough Pokeballs to do so. And to me, I was like, I have a plethora of Pokemon I could have on my team. And including a Psychic type, which is, which is my favorite. And I think that that says a lot. Yeah. Um, I, I, I actually personally really liked the, the visual style of it. I think that the the execution kind of um, failed, and I I think that it was I, I actually booted up the game today, and it, it really just stuttered. And I at least for me on my base um, Nintendo Switch, I I feel like the performance really got in the way for me personally. Um, but there was they had a lot of really cool ideas, and I guess you kind of mentioned the terror raid battles. I I love the raid battles. I think that like. One, just being able to hop into the menu, like hop, I think it's called like the Pokey Portal. Like you can just hop into the Pokey Portal and hop into a raid match. Like, I think that's awesome. Yep. And it doesn't really help that it's, I don't think it helps the game structure because it's so easy to, to go from just being in the world to getting into a raid battle. And then you get the, like the rewards from the the raid battle or a lot of times the candies, right? Which is help you kind of level up and. I feel like I'm way overpowered, you know, which you yeah. kind of mentioned. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it just was so close on so many things and just missed the mark on so many others. Yep. Um, did, you, did you ever finish it? I guess I don't... I guess we haven't talked about it um, in a while. I believe I'm like seven challenges in. I, I didn't finish all the challenges. But like you said, I just feel really overpowered. Uh, my team is already, like, insane. Uh, and there's really no incentive to just keep going at this point. I yeah. feel it's just like I'm, I'm going to crush any trainer, anyone I run into. And so in that sense, I feel like it's really geared towards newer Pokemon players. And I'm mm-hmm. just optimistic that Game Freak is, is kind of using this as a base. And, and then going forward, they're going to make those adjustments and we're going to get a lot better of a Pokemon experience. Yeah, I think that... <laughs> I, I really do kind of feel like with this and, and Legends Arceus, I feel like they, they flew a little too close to the sun, and um, I, I think that they're, they've received a lot of fair criticism from the fans. But I, I think, I guess, the most... I don't know. I, I guess something that I think about a lot is... With this, I guess, um, Scarlet and Violet, I guess this iteration, um, they, they sold so well, um, yeah. and I feel like they have to see that the playership has just dropped off, because we were talking about this off-air, I mean, they're just giving out all kinds of like shiny Pokemon, like they just had an event um, where you just type, type in a code like Shiny Buddy, and you get a shiny Lucario, they actually today the reason i was on is they they had a event where you can just get a mystery gift and it's a master ball and and they have they've never done that to my knowledge 
given you the ability to have two master balls in in a game. Yeah. And I, I think that that's really telling of where, you know, the, the playership is because, I mean, there's, I think that they, I guess plan on. They also just released some DLC, and I'm sure that they they plan on a certain amount of people buying the DLC. I mean, I personally love the DLC for like Sword and Shield, but I'm I have no interest. Yeah, um, me either. In, in, and I, I think that I think that they know that they 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 cross the line um, in terms of just not quite having a, a finished product. Um, but I mean, there's a lot to there's a lot to celebrate there, and I think that it's really awesome that you put it on your list because there they does a lot of really cool things. Yep. And the Pokemon centers are really cool. Yeah, I mean, they took a lot of leaps forward in a lot of ways. Um, but I think, you know, something that also Sword and Shield kind of struggled with, and honestly, I'll say, I feel like they they really struggled with this since they switched from 2D to 3D. Is it really? You feel like you really struggle to find interaction, right? In like the cities, but man, dude, I'm I'm so excited that you have this on your list, man, because I, I feel like I, I I actually don't have a Pokemon game on my list at all, and I think that that's surprising. That's a little uncommon for us, but dude, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, there's there's a lot to celebrate there. I'm glad you brought it to the table. Yeah, man. Let's hear your number ten. My my number ten is, oh man, I there's a part of me that uh, I felt a little bit of shame putting it on the list, but I could not deny how much fun I had with this this year, <laughs> and it is Marvel Snap. Okay, all right, yeah, you definitely played that a whole lot this year. Yeah, I I wish I had some data that showed like how much I spent on it, but or like how much time I spent on it, but because man, I I really just enjoyed. Um, this game it, it's a free-to-play card game um it's you can get it across the um, app stores from the google play to the apple store and it really you, you kind of um go against an opponent in uh, i think it's six yeah you have six turns you have a set amount of energy and you can use that energy to play cards and it's it's really I mean, they really try and make it snappy, you know, pun intended, yeah. that it's, you know, you're in and out of a match in about five minutes, and um, there, there's three lanes, and the objective is to win two of the lanes, and it, it really, um, and it has this, I guess, the, the snap mechanic is you can double, if you think you're going to win, you can double the amount of reward that you would get for a match, and I think that the developers really... Um, put a lot of thought into that but I mean for me personally I, I kind of just like to hop into a match and just have a good time yeah um, I, I love my deck um, I think I haven't talked about this in a while but since since we last talked about it I, I was mentioning I had like a spider-man deck and man they nerfed spider-man they they really did him <laughs> dirty which is just sad Damn um, <laughs> but I think that I have to acknowledge and put this on the list because this is this is the game that made me realize that I love card games and I definitely did spend some money on this and I think when we talked about this earlier we're I guess saying how predatory card games can be and especially digital ones yeah um just it just it has the I guess there, there's a lot of danger I feel like associated with these they can be so predatory you know thankfully I feel like I'm, I'm I have a pretty good grip on when I know you know if a, if a game's gonna um 
I don't have those kind of microtransaction loops, but uh, I, I can't deny how much I, I loved playing this game, and I, I still return to it. Um, so that's my number 10, Marvel Snap. Marvel Snap. Damn, that was, that was surprising, I'm not going to lie. But hey, you did play that game a lot. You even got me to play it, and I will say it's snappy for sure. You know, we we should really next time we're together, we should we should play it because they they added um, a mode where you can go head to head with somebody in person that you're friends. Oh, with that's awesome! Use use your deck, which was not there when we when we originally brought this to the show. When did they update that? Like how you know how they they make they make updates all the time. I mean, it's very I mean it's very much a live service game at this point, and um, I think they added that in the middle of the year um, around the summer. Cool. Um, but yeah, they've got a couple other modes now as well. You can go head-to-head against one person um, online, where it's like normally if you do an online match, it's just a it's the one, like you're matched up with somebody, and if you win or lose, like that's it. But there's a way that you can go head-to-head against the same person a couple times, and um, if you win, you know, you can get better rewards. But if you, you only have like a certain amount of entries to do that per season. So Awesome. But yeah, that's Marvel Snap. That was our our tens right there. I had Pokemon Scarlet and Blake had Marvel Snap. Hi everybody, this is Andrew from the PAX East episode. I played a lot of games this year. By far the game I played the most was Fortnite, which continues to reinvent itself and it's just so much fun, even after all these years with brand new game modes. I also played a lot of No Man's Sky for the first time and sunk so many hours into exploring space and planets. Remnant 2 was a game I picked up that blew me away. It's a Souls-like game, but with really interesting gun mechanics and some of the most unique enemies I've seen. I also played a lot of Tom Clancy titles. I played Ghost Recon titles. I played some of the Rainbow Six games. Extraction, which came out in 2022, is still my favorite Tom Clancy game. But my game of the year for 2023 that I have just fallen in love with and don't see putting down anytime soon That's Marvel Snap. It actually came out last year, but I really got into it this year, and it is so much fun. It's a card game. It's in the same vein as Hearthstone or Magic the Gathering, but it does it so well, and it's so addicting, and I every spare moment I have, I play this on my phone. I cannot put it down. You can put it on a PC as well. Marvel Snap is my game of the year. Next year, there's a lot of games I want to get into. I've just picked up over the holidays the Spider-Man 2 game, which I've only played one mission on so far, and it's so much fun. There's also some newer Super Mario titles, the RPG remake for the Switch, as well as Super Mario Bros. Wonder. These are games that have just come out that I really want to sink my teeth into next year, and I'm excited to see what other new releases come out that I spend so much time playing and get to tell you about next year. Everybody have a very happy new year. So moving on to my ninth game of the year. This one might be a bit surprising you, Blake, because um, I think I may have mentioned it on the pod maybe once, uh, mm-hmm. but it's it's something I pick up every once in a while. I'm really trying to improve at this game, um, it's okay. Street Fighter Six. Uh, it's gotten oh oh my gosh a yes. nine out of ten on Steam. Uh, it's on PS4, PS5, the Xbox Series X and S. It's also an arcade game. You can find it at arcades. 
Um, its initial release date was June 2, 2023, so the summer of this year. Um, and so it's a multiplayer video game, but also just a regular fighting. It was developed by Capcom on, nice. I believe, their proprietary engine, RE Engine. Um, and, you know, having delved into numerous fighting games, um, the perennial, perennial challenge is that as you improve, finding opponents willing to face you becomes a struggle. Uh, enter Street Fighter VI, which ingeniously addresses this issue by incorporating three control schemes and a handicap option. This groundbreaking addition not only allows spirited matches against seasoned players, but also opens the door for enjoyable play among varying skill levels. In my case, um, you know, I, I, I'm still getting beat on online matches consistently. Mm -hmm. I really suck at like any of the control <laughs> schemes here. I, I'm curious to try it in an actual arcade and see how I play it. Um, mm -hmm. Beyond catering to a family-friendly experience, Street Fighter VI introduces new competitive options for seasoned veterans. Um, you know, so they, they actually inject fresh dynamics into each character's playstyle. Um, while a couple of characters may need minor adjustments for optimal balance, early pro combos and matches hint at the game's potential for thrilling moments in the competitive scene. It's fun to watch Street Fighter VI uh, streams of people who are really, really good. Um, they, mm -hmm. They're just they're on a whole different level and that's what yeah i, I to will say i've i've been watching some um i i've actually had a huge interest in street fighter 6 i or i is it 6 street yeah, fighter 6 i i almost got this brandon i almost pulled the trigger on this one and just hearing you talk about it and i watched some gameplay like this game looks sick this game looks awesome it's it's really it's like a very um detail oriented fighting game you know, mm -hmm. you, you got to pay attention to the small nuances. Um, and performance-wise, the game excels on the PS5. I've had a great time playing it on the PS5. No issues on there. Um, you know, the, I hear that there are some issues with the last-gen versions of it, which, you know, is going to happen with mm -hmm. some of these newer titles. But overall, I'm looking forward to picking up this game this next year as we're not going to be picking up any games in 2024, and I really want to improve my Street Fighter Six skills. Yeah, hell yeah, man. Oh, dude, so much, man. I, I honestly, one of the reasons I almost picked this game up is because I wanted to try the, I guess, the handicap option or the, the newer player option, um, and I heard a lot about it. Um, I just... I, I don't know. I, I think, I, I personally, I mean, as you know, I guess long-time listeners of the show know, I've never played a fighting game, um, not really. Um, and I, I don't know, this one almost made me pull the trigger. This one almost made me cross the line. And I think that says, that says it all, that it's, and I mean, it just honestly, it looks incredible. So to hear you're having such a, a good time with it still and hopping into online like that, that really speaks to it. Yeah, it really, it really pushes you to get online and play with people that are maybe even better than you because they can have the handicap option where you can you know, be somewhat at their skill level and just seeing mm -hmm. how good these people are even with the handicap. Um, it really like pushes you to want to improve at the game. Yeah. Who's your main? Man, um, I would have to go with Ryu. Ryu? Okay. Yeah, Hadouken. <laughs> so have you have you played part of the the campaign for this game? No, I've. Or is I've, it is it mostly online? It's mostly online. It's mostly just like wow. two controllers. 
fight or mo fighting online. And that's that's how I like to improve in games, is just playing against people who are much better than me. Can you take a, like, if you make a custom, like a custom character and you take it through the campaign, can you then take that character into online? That's a Do good question. Know? I haven't played it enough to know that. But okay. it's um, definitely something I'm going to bring to the pod some more this next year, so stay tuned. Yeah, I guess so. Oh, that's exciting. I mean, if I see a if I see a physical copy, I may I may pick that one up. Yeah, I, I have the physical copy too because I wanted to be able to just like have that for a while, mm -hmm. and not take up space on my hard drive. Yeah, definitely. All right, well, I guess is that that bring us to to my number nine. Your number nine. Let's see. All right, this is a, a game that I I brought up once, maybe twice, and uh, the game is called Islets. Okay, and it's I a, definitely it's remember that game. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a cool game. It's it's uh it's a Metroidvania. It's an indie Metroidvania. It came out in 2022, and the art style is just so charming and goofy, and it's just so snappy. Um, we've talked about this a little on the on the pod, but I'm I didn't really love Hollow Knight, and one of the reasons is I'm not really a big bug fan. I don't like bugs, and I feel like Hollow Knight is just such a like a dark game visually. Um, at least from the parts that I saw, and Islets is kind of like the opposite, where it has some very creepy, um, I guess, parts to it, but for the majority of the world, is is very bright and vibrant, and like the the combat just felt so good, like so snappy, and I I really just honestly loved my time with it, um, and it it made me smile, like I guess interacting with the characters made me smile and. It's just a fun, goofy game. Like the character, like the main character is so derpy, and it just feels good to play. It looks good to play, um, and it's just it was just a just a joy to just pick that up and you know play through a Metroidvania level and get a little further, you know, unlock some more of the map and just see where I was. So, I guess that's my number nine. Islets. Islets, the Metroidvania. Um, I remember when you first brought this up, it was bringing flashbacks of Samus. And um, mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I definitely got to pick this one up and, and see what it's what the hype is about there. Um, you said it's, you know, it's I, an indie game. I, it is an in, yeah, it's an indie game, independently published. Uh, let me see if I can find um, any information on this. Oh wow, um, it has a ten out of ten on Steam. That's amazing. Uh, which is pretty cool. It says the developer is Kyle Thompson, and the publisher is Armor Games Incorporated. Um, so I guess it is a little bit, little bit of a, a smaller, smaller indie title, um, but it's on the Nintendo Switch, Xbox One, Windows, and Series X and S's. So I don't think I guess I guess that means it's not on PlayStation. Um, but I personally was playing it on the Steam Deck a lot. It runs great on the Steam Deck, and one of the things that I love about playing it on the Steam Deck is I mapped the the bumpers to the to the back buttons, and man, that just made it so smooth to play because I you could use the triggers you know using the um, the joysticks and then just hitting the back buttons and I, I really felt like I hit a hit a stride with the back buttons on, on this game and I guess go look up the art for this because it it's really cool um, so that's Islets that's Blake's number nine wow I feel like we're just pushing along this list right now already getting to number eight here for me mm -hmm. um, I have a feeling this one might be on your list but definitely not as high 
or low as it is in my list. This is going to be Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Um, okay. It got a 10 out of 10 on IGN, and rightfully so. It was released on May 12th of this year, a single-player video game. Um, and, you know, it's a, a, an eclectic kind of genre. Mix here, puzzle, action, adventure, fighting, shooter, sandbox. Um, and it was developed by Nintendo. Um, Tears of the Kingdom has not just met, but exceeded all expectations delivering a breathtaking world, a captivating storyline, and innovative gameplay mechanics that collectively make it an absolute masterpiece deserving of its 10 out of 10 on IGN. Uh, the introduction of two new areas, the Sky Islands and the Depths, elevates the already vast world of Hyrule, offering players a mesmerizing dimension to explore. The Sky Islands provide a vertigo-inducing experience, navigating floating landmasses high above the ground, while the depths plunge you into the dark unknown, unveiling hidden secrets and ancient ruins. The level of detail in these areas is awe-inspiring, making exploration an absolute joy. A game-changer in this uh, Tears of the Kingdom game, as opposed to Breath of the Wild, is the Ultra Hand ability, allowing players to mm -hmm. unleash their creativity and build nearly anything they can imagine, which we, we got a chance to talk about in the podcast this year. Um, from elaborate death machines to cool vehicles, the possibilities are limitless. This innovative mechanic adds a refreshing layer of depth to the gameplay, encouraging experimentation and the creation of unique experiences within the game. You know, I'm, I'm not too good of a builder, which is a bummer because I'm really good at Minecraft, but it's not quite like Minecraft. It's, it's, uh, it's definitely a different level of crafting here. Um, and, you know, on top of the Ultra Hand ability, the storyline, uh, seamlessly continues from Breath of the Wild, immersing players in a rich and evolving world filled with complex characters and deep lore. The emotional depth and character development are remarkable, leaving players invested in the fates of both the kingdom and its inhabitants. The integration of new areas and abilities into the overarching plot creates a cohesive experience, a natural progression of the series. The graphics as well, a visual feast mm. with meticulous attention in every aspect of the world. Lush green landscapes, vibrant skies, and subtle enhancements to the art style take full advantage of this Switch's capabilities, resulting in a truly immersive and stunning visual experience. Not only that, the audio design excels in Tears of the Kingdom, mm. with the haunting yep. melodies, the atmospheric soundscapes enhancing the sense of adventure and discovery, exceptional voice acting adds that depth and emotion to the well-written characters, um, the combination of audio design and stellar visuals creates an immersive world that draws players in from the very start of the game. So if you don't have a copy of Tears of the Kingdom, mm. truthfully, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, dude. Uh, I have so much to say, man. I, number number eight, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, this this is on my list, so I, I do kind of want to save. I want to save my bet for later. Yeah. Um, but I guess I want to touch on some of the things that you said there. Um, oh man, do you do you? Man, you touched on I guess like, oh so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh man, the audio is just so good. I, yeah. I just like when you said that, I was like, I just hear the sounds in my. Um, I see my head. Oh my gosh, so good. Um, but I guess. So I guess I want to touch on a couple things. One, do you really feel like this is the pinnacle of the Switch? I think you kind of said something similar to that. Do you think this is the best the Switch can do? 
you know, it definitely feels like it at times. Yeah, I haven't seen any other developer, um, I mean, not developer, rather, any other title on the Switch kind of meet this bar. I, set, I feel like they've just set the bar so high, mm-hmm. and it's going to be really difficult for, for other games to follow this up. Even the Zelda franchise to follow up Tears of the Kingdom is going to be quite a challenge, and I'm looking forward to see what they do as far as DLC and future titles on the franchise. Uh, so yeah. to answer your question in short, Blake, yeah, I feel like Tears of the Kingdom is the bar on the Switch right now. I mean, I, I can't think of any other games. Can you? No. No, I, mean, I I honestly, I feel like whatever I thought the Switch was capable of, it was not this. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, oh, man. I mean, honestly, dude, just hearing you talk about it, I mean, that's quite the rap sheet. If you don't mind me asking, why is this your number eight? Dude, Why isn't this? If there's some other titles here that I just I played a lot Connect. more. Um, okay. Tears of the Kingdom, I it's quite a challenge, you know, and mm-hmm. I feel like I kind of missed that early Zelda experience that kind of draws mm-hmm. a lot of people back into the franchise and the game. So for me, I'm a bit disconnected from the franchise, but I'm excited to to get back into it. Like I haven't even beat Breath of the Wild, but I knew that mm-hmm. I wanted to pick up this title and experience it for myself. Um, so I'm excited to explore more of both of those titles this coming year and uh, familiarizing myself more with the Zelda franchise because there's a lot to be explored there for years to come. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, there's a lots of lots to unpack there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to see what you have to say and where on your list it is. I have a feeling uh, it's it's between like it's probably top three for you. It's probably top yeah, three. I, I will say it's top three. Oh, That's okay, all I'm okay. saying right now. Okay. <laughs> um, I guess I for for coming from me, I I really had no experience with the the franchise prior to Breath of the Wild, and there was a part of me that was like. I, I liked it. I did 40 hours into it, and then I fell off it. And I was like, I just it didn't it didn't click. So I really, I really, truly do understand that, especially like the feeling of not feeling connected to the franchise or the characters, because I feel like I never had that. Like I, I never really connected with a, a Zelda game prior um, to Breath of the Wild, and and we talked about it, you know, at length on on some of our other um, episodes, but. Yep. You know, I was in a tough, tough time in my life, and then it just, I just got lost in, in Breath of the Wild. Yeah. And I feel like now I have that, like, like personal connection, personal connection to the franchise. And after putting 120-plus hours in, wow. in Breath of the Wild, um, I was just so excited to, to get into Tears of the Kingdom. Um, and I do kind of still feel like Breath of the Wild is, is where you should start. For um, sure. In, in terms of anybody and I it, it's just so tough because what, what they did there I mean obviously it's a direct sequel but but what they did with Breath of the Wild was really you know put the the open world genre they kind of put it on its head yeah and then for them to to take a look at what they did and say actually we, we want to go even further um, and just to make Tears of the Kingdom I mean just the the level that you can interact with that the game is just it's just on another level. It's it's unreal, dude. It really makes me question the capability of the Switch. Like, one of the boss battles that's coming to mind right now is where you're fighting. Um, is it like a giant snake? Remind me, Blake. Like, you're fighting like a giant snake in the air, in the middle of the mm-hmm. air. And, like, mm-hmm. you're just, like, launching yourself, like, flying down and just, like, 
fighting this creature in the air. I was like, am I playing on the Switch? I had to put that on my monitor. I couldn't play mm-hmm. that just on the regular on the regular uh, handheld, and it, it really surprised me. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to explore more of Tears of the Kingdom because there's just so much there. Yeah, there. I mean, there's so much. Yeah, and it's. I think what's so cool is that boss fight. There, are, there are multiple ways that, that that boss fight can end. Yep. And just, oh, I think that it it is really just so interesting how how they how they were able to do that. Just just make all of these things that you can interact with in so many different ways. Like from the phys, I think it's like I guess the physics system. You know, just just taking that to to the next level. I mean, it really is crazy. Um, like how you can solve puzzles with, with gra- Like in the first game, you could solve puzzles with with electric electricity physics, and for example, like like you could instead of solving a puzzle the way that it's um, with the way that they they put the solution in front of you to where it was a puzzle, you could you know just take things out of your inventory that were electric, like put a shield like a metal shield next to a metal sword. And, and then conduct electricity that way, you know, to this one, there's, um, you know, there's fire and that creates heat and heat rises and um, just having like all this, this level of like interact in, interactivity. And I feel like my, like my engineering brain and my science brain, you know, just kind of meet in, in a, a really delightful spot. But um, it's crazy that they did this, but I feel like I, sh- I should hold off and we should say some more later. Definitely. Yeah, let's hold, <laughs> let's hold some of that right there for for the top three. That's All nice. right. Dude, you're number eight, man. I'm curious That's to crazy. see what your number eight is. All right. Oh, man, I actually, I, I really wanted to put this one higher, but just looking at the other, the other titles, I just couldn't. And, um, man, I absolutely love this game. It, it's just... It's just so fun just to just to play it, um, and this game is Whisker Squadron. Um, actually, I'm sorry. That I think that's the name of the franchise. I mean, I, there's only one game out. I think it's Whisker Squadron Survivor. Okay. Let me, actually let me double check. I, I just call it Whisker Squadron. Yeah, it's Whisker <laughs> Whisker Squadron Survivor, and I think it's only on Steam at this this point. Um, but yeah, it's it's on Mac and um, Mac and Windows, and it's it's a roguelike um, shooter. It kind of I guess what it really is. It feels like there's there's three levels, and imagine like you're in the trench run um, on the Death Star, and they made that a roguelike, except you fly um, as like like cat pilots, and you're killing killing bugs. That's awesome. And oh my gosh, it is just so fun. It's just so. Um, it, gosh, it just sparks my imagination, um, and I, I absolutely love this game. Um, now, here, what I think is really fun about this game, especially for me, is I. So I, I've been playing it on my Steam Deck. I own it on on Steam and on my Steam Deck. I originally started playing it on a regular Xbox One controller, and then I had a friend come over, and I played it on. We played it on my um, like my arcade stick. Like I have an eight bit do arcade stick. And just like going from the controller to the arcade stick, um, I really just enjoyed that. And then like remapping all the buttons and, you know, going from, you know, the controller to the arcade stick. And then like, oh, actually, I actually want to change, you know, the, the role to, you know, to this button press instead of this button press. And and then I went from that to, 
I started playing it on mouse and keyboard. <laughs> and I just felt like every time it was just so fun, like regardless of how I was interacting with it, like like what kind of, um, I guess, inputs I was giving it, it was just so fun. But also like it was a game that's, I think it's in early access, like just being able to kind of play that, um, just to play the game and like play around with the different inputs. It was just so, so this, fun. This is like, still a beta? Um, I think it's... Here, let me let me check the the official Steam listing. Um, this game is this game is in early access still, um, and you can you can get it for fourteen ninety nine. And I guess just really quick on on the game, I actually learned a little bit more about the um, the development. It they they had a Kickstarter. They were going to make a story driven game, and then they decided to um, make the I guess the rogue the roguelike element and put that out as its own game while they, they continue to work on the story um, driven game. And they've, they've made regular updates since I got it. And, you know, when it came out and, you know, this game, it just, I don't know, just something about it's just so evocative and the art style and the flying. And um, I honestly, I, I really just, just love the game. And if you're not familiar with the developers there, they also made, um, Oh man, Race the Sun. The game Race the Sun, which I'm I'm sure another Steam uh, title. It you know, I think they actually made it free to play on on Xbox and PlayStation, but you can buy it and and you think you get different cosmetics and it's really just um kind of like a like a a plane, like you're kind of a <laughs> I guess a plane or a ship flying through a space and and dodging different items and as they come at you and it's really just like the flow of it is, is really satisfying so for them to take that i mean it's just a natural you know fit for them to go into a game that you know you're flying and taking out bugs and doing dodge rolls as like thousands of bullets are coming at you like it is just so fun and it's so satisfying and i actually i, I stream this game a little bit so there's some gameplay up on our youtube um i think i did it once but man Oh, I just love this game, and I, I honestly, every time I play it, I, I just love it more and more. Um, and I guess as you play it more, you, you get permanent upgrades, and you can level up your, um, level up your ships and, and your weapons. And man, oh my gosh, it's just so fun. So I guess, I guess, just thank you to everybody that made this because I know it's a, it's a smaller team, but damn, I just love this game so Whisker much. Squadron. That, that, Whisker Squadron Survivor, so much fun. I have a question. Do you <laughs> do you have a favorite cat, or is there are there characters kind of like? Yeah. So so the different the different characters, the different cats, they have different buffs. Um, let me. I don't know if I can find this without being in the game. Let me see. Oh shoot! I started a run. Darn it! <laughs> now you got to finish it. Ah <laughs> uh, man. Okay. I actually did start one on accident, but that's all right. <laughs> okay, so so right now there there are only three characters. Um, they've got three pilots. Um, I I really rock Ross quite a bit. Okay, um, and he's he's one of the older or he's the older pilot. Um, so it's Ross, an experienced weapons expert. Um, is they're cool as a cucumber under pressure. He's a little gruffed at first, but you can always count on him to have your back. And he has a lot of dialogue options where he's like, I can't believe they they invaded before I had my morning coffee. And he, he's kind of just the, the gruff older older cat. 
Um, but he gets, when, when you have him equipped, you get 10% more of the currency that you use to unlock um, um, new abilities. There's also Max, and they have the ability to when you receive one, so you basically, every time you level up, you get three options um, to level up, uh, or I guess three different yeah, I guess three different buffs to choose from, and when you have max, you, you get four to choose from. You can still only choose one, but um, you, you have four options. And you think that max is soft and friendly because he looks so soft and friendly, and you would be right. Loyal and protective, max always puts his teammates first. So max acuity, I like max. Uh, and then there's Olivia, and she every time you um, end a zone you restore 20 of your health. I don't use her uh, because there's only 10 levels. Yeah. And if I'm going to die, it's going to be in the middle. It's not going to... Yeah. <laughs> so I guess I feel like just that is it's just not quite as relevant to me. In your play style. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, and, and where I'm at. Um, so here, Olivia is Whisker Squadron's newest member. She has a lot to learn from her team, but she's fierce, scrappy, and out to prove she's the best pilot in the galaxy. Um, so, man, just such a fun game. I, I guess I will shout out the ships because I guess the ships really made a big difference for me once I unlocked the second ship. So, I mean, there's a standard ship called the Arrow. There is um, the Dagger, which I have not unlocked yet because it's kind of, a, it's kind of like a, it's a very fast ship. But you don't do you don't have as much health, and the the ship that I really like is is kind of the tanky ship, which is called the Hammer. Um, so man, just just so exciting! I absolutely love this game, and go check out the art for it if if you haven't. Did you because mention this anything game, about the soundtrack? Oh man, Brandon, thank you for reminding me, dude. I love the soundtrack of this game. It's just so fun. It honestly all around just a complete banger. I absolutely love this game, Whisker Squadron. I can't wait. Um, for their narrative game um, and I honestly just I can't wait for more I'm sure that they're going to add more to the I guess I don't know I'm, I'm assuming they're going to add more to the, the roguelike but um, man just just so fun it's just so fun Eesh, man, making me want to get on the steam making me want to get on that steam wave hey, I think that they they're making it a little more affordable to get to get steam decks nowadays but Maybe wait. Maybe wait for my my next one on my list before you decide to get a Steam Deck. That's <laughs> all so I'll say for now. Um, but yeah, that's my number eight, Whisker Squadron. Absolutely love the game. <laughs> number eight already. Damn, time flies when you're having fun. What up, Sticky Buttons Pod? My name is Mark, and I was on episode 69, Hogwarts Legacy, featuring special guests. My game of the year is Spider-Man 2. I just think it improved on the first game that got game of the year. Everything just feels better. The, the combat, the traversal, the suits, the story, everything about it was just amazing, and that's, that's game of the year in my opinion. Thank you for having me. Um, I guess I'll, I'll jump into my number seven, an unlucky number. But this is it's definitely... An an, oh, God. This unlucky? Is, this is definitely not an unlucky game. Oh, jeez. My, my game might be a little unlucky, so I think you just foreshadowed something there, Brandon. <laughs> so for number seven, drum roll, please, I have da -da -da -da. Diablo 4. 
Um, this game has okay. a 6 out of 10 on Steam. It's only on the Xbox Series... Actually, no, this one's on the Xbox Series X and X and the PS5. Also, they did um, make the Xbox One and PS4 version, as well as you can run it on Microsoft Windows. Um, it was released on... I think you can get this game on Steam, too. Yeah, you? you can get it on Steam. Um, okay. This was released on June 5th. Um, it's a multiplayer video game. Um, it was developed by Blizzard Entertainment, the same people who make WoW, I believe. Um, and it's a MMORPG as well as a hack and slash. And so Diablo 4 has garnered its fair share of negative reviews, given the 6 out of 10, primarily stemming from the beta. However, as someone new to the Diablo series, I would urge prospective players to disregard those critiques, as the beta was just a snapshot of the game's development. My first foray into the world of Diablo left me pleasantly surprised. The game boasts great graphics, performs well, assuming you're not running it on a potato, though some optimization <laughs> tweaks could enhance the experience. Despite a few bugs, none were game-breaking, and the overall impression was that of a well-rounded, if not entirely polished game. The customization and transmog systems, that's a system in World of Worldcraft that allows you to change the appearance of your armor into something completely different for a small fee, add depth to the player's experience. The well-written story with minimal plot holes is accompanied by solid renders and two exceptionally animated cutscenes. I found myself wanting to keep going back just to see where the story goes. It was, it was really good. The characters, both main and side, possess charm and likability brought to life by some, some great voice acting. The talent build system, while streamlined, offers room for creativity, particularly when interesting legendary items come into play. Each class comes with sub-specializations, and the Paragon system introduced at level 50 further expands the talent build options, and that's another incentive to really push forward in the game and get to level 50, so you can start experimenting with that. Uh, Diablo 4 strikes a balance between accessibility and depth. It is easy to pick up, yet offers room for min-maxing, providing a higher skill ceiling. Think of min-maxing like EV training. Um, mm -hmm. uh, each class, or yeah, I mentioned that, um, Starting on the hard veteran difficulty, the game is challenging without being overly punishing. While some bosses may lack excitement, others keep players on the edge of their seats. Though not officially labeled as an MMO, Diablo 4 essentially functions as one, adopting open world and grouping systems akin to games like Destiny. If a solo experience is preferred, this might not be the game for you. However, the fun of grouping with friends and encountering other players adds an intriguing layer to the gameplay. You can just be running through the story mode and you'll see other people running across the world, you know, playing the game as well. Wait, that's like when you're in like your single player or do you have to yeah. be in the multiplayer? Yeah, so you, you can just be wow. going through like the story. It's, it's always multiplayer. You always need internet access. Oh, okay. So, so it's be, like an always online kind of. Yeah. Okay. So you just be running through okay. the world, like just doing what you need to do to complete a quest. And then there'll be somebody else there that's like much higher level or much lower level, just also exploring. <laughs> and it adds like a different, you know, layer to the game. It's my first time running into a system like that in a game. I encountered mm. very few connection issues, even over a 500 megabytes per second Wi-Fi connection. Um, I would say the primary downside lies in the cost, which may be a deal breaker for some. If that's the case, I recommend waiting for a sale or a price drop. Nevertheless, in an era of unfinished and poorly released AAA games, Diablo 4 stands out as a genuinely enjoyable experience, proving that sometimes initial beta impressions don't do justice to the final product. Man, 
Wow. Okay. I feel like there's a lot to unpack here, man. Too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. I I really enjoyed learning about this game from from you both. I guess what we talked about on the show and what we talked about off the show about this game. Um, this, I mean, this is a I guess a franchise I have no experience with. I think this is your first game as well. Yeah. Right. This is my oh, first. Man. I played a little bit of WoW, but I was too young to really like remember kind of anything about it. I, oh, man. Did you ever I guess play kind of WoW? just. I I never played WoW. Thankfully, <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe unthankfully. I don't know. Maybe maybe I would have loved it. There there's another world where, where Blake played WoW, and I don't know. I don't know if that yeah, would have been a good WoW, one or a bad one. Blizzard is one of those developers that just like they strive to suck the player in and like really make them to the game shout outs to danny my assistant manager at my store right now he's a huge wow player and he's always talking mm-hmm. about how he's just stayed up late the night before playing wow and um <laughs> it, it's it's a really good game and, and the fact that he's still playing it after all these years i think speaks to to the testament of it yeah oh man i i feel like i i really wish i would have played this game this year and i i guess you know hey i mean you can play a game at any point in time, so I think I, I'm going to take your advice and and wait for a sale on this one, because just everything you said about it, it, you know, especially the art, I feel like that's something that I didn't really. I feel like what when somebody says Diablo, I, I can't really picture anything in my head, but then when I I just look at some gameplay and I look at screenshots, I'm I'm kind of amazed by what it looks like, and just to I feel like just to be in that world I think would be very fun and interesting. So I feel like I'm I feel like I really missed an opportunity to try this one out. But I mean obviously you can pick up a game at any time. So I, I'm so happy that it that it made your list. Um because wow. Uh, <laughs> that was that was bad. I feel like we got I feel like I gotta cut that out. Um but yeah, no, I mean, I, I actually, there are very few people that I talk to outside of games that, that I, that are not, I guess, like in my circle and I have a, a coworker that they, they, they love Diablo and they got the new Xbox to play Diablo and they play Diablo. And I feel like just, you know, them being satisfied with it and, you know, as a, as a longtime player and, and also just like what I've heard from people that have never played a Diablo before, it really just kind of, I guess, speaks to this title and, you know, I guess speaks to your experience as well. So I think someday I'll have to check out. Yeah, I'd love, Diablo I'd love to talk to you about this story before. mode. It's, it's very interesting. It features some very um, mythical characters that are, have connections to the Bible, actually. It's very interesting. Such as Lucifer, Lilith, Lilith. <laughs> um, I believe Lilith is uh, the devil's wife or mother or something like that. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I guess like the whole like mythology and lore behind it is really interesting too. Yeah. The um, the visuals the... were like I I was just I sat back in my chair and I felt like I was watching a movie like it was it's amazing. Well, you're fighting these demonic creatures, right. demonic beings, right? Yeah, you're trying to so, take them down. Are you some kind of religious person in, in the game? Um, or, more so... Because I know you have kind of different classes. More but. so, you're, I would say you're like a do-gooder trying to protect okay. the civilization. The, the realm? The realm. Okay. 
And, and I guess what character did, or what class did you play as? So I played as... Um, you did a couple characters, didn't I you? Did, I did a couple characters. I started off as, I believe, a necromancer. So I was raising what? undead armies. So I was just going around raising things that I'd just killed. <laughs> and then I'd like hoard all, all of the bosses okay. and things. And then I tried a barbarian class. And that was a lot more fun. Just run, just go straight into somebody and just start slashing, <laughs> giving the hack and slash. It was definitely very, very fun to play a barbarian. So do you, ha- when you when you play as a barbarian, are you like tapping the button a lot? Definitely. There's a lot of button mashing that goes on, especially if you're not that experienced. Um, you don't know how to chain those combos. Um, that's one of those games that I really enjoy watching more experienced people play. Because they're just like seamlessly like taking advantage of frame rates and and just you know navigating the game in a way that I it would probably take me years to, to get to. Now I think that this is I guess I'm not sure if you would know this. This is originally developed for like PC gaming and like mouse and definitely, keyboard, right? Definitely, definitely. You can you okay. can tell that when you're playing it on the PlayStation, it's just like certain the way that the button layout is set mm-hmm. for like spells and act and abilities be so much easier on just a keyboard um mm. and so yeah blizzard i believe blizzard's owned by tencent which makes also just they own a lot of a lot of i don't think so i think that blizzard is part of the the, the activision blizzard acquisition of, of microsoft oh, okay. so i think they're i think they're owned by microsoft now yep you're right activision blizzard headquartered in irvine california well there you go i mean it's really I don't know, comparing one tech giant to another, it's, really, <laughs> it's apples and oranges for us, really. Yeah, that's Diablo. Diablo. That's number seven. So what's your number seven, Blake? I want to preface this by saying this game was originally, when I made my list, it was my number two, my number two game. Wow. And after some serious reflection, two to seven. serious, it went from two to, it went from two to four and from four to six and then from six to seven. And when I put it at seven, I felt like inner peace. <laughs> so I, there is, this has been, this has been the most, um, this has been the hardest one to play. So we, I guess we've done this, um, game of the year. This is our third year doing it. This game has been the hardest to place. And I, I stand by it. I'm very satisfied and happy that my number seven game of the year is Starfield. Whoa, whoa, no way. <laughs> Starfield at seven? Starfield is wow. at seven for me. That's amazing. I, okay, go ahead. I'm not even going to tell you what you have to say about this game. <laughs> so, like I said, this originally when I made my game of the year list, it started at number two. And I just want to say, I loved this game. I really, really, really loved it. I enjoyed role playing, I enjoyed building my character. Um, I enjoyed playing as Blake Staghorn, the bounty hunting botanist. And <laughs> after just playing it, I, I just kind of realized that my enjoyment was really dependent upon what I brought to it. And I realized that what I was getting out of the game kind of hindered on my ability to role play and my ability to, to bring a good attitude to it. And I felt that at the end of the day, the main reason it's it's my number seven is I feel like the game got in its own way and hindered my experience to role play, and it didn't enhance it. Um, 
I, I do have a, a couple big things to say, but do you have anything you want to, to say before I get too into it? Dude, you, you beat me to the punch. That's all I'm going to say. Go ahead. <laughs> I want right. to hear your gripes <laughs> with the game. Uh, okay. So I guess the, in order to, I guess, um, to preface my, my feelings about this, is I, I kind of want to just touch on the difference between depth and width. Mm. And I feel like in the evolution, you know, of 3D games, like like Tears of the Kingdom, like there's so many games, um, you know, from, from open world three, like open world games where um, you can have, a, like, I guess like Tears of the Kingdom, where you can have a very in-depth experience where you can interact with so many things on, on such a, I guess, um, I guess a very deep level. Like for example, what you can do with a stick in Tears of the Kingdom is very different. Um, or, or you know, what you could do with a block in Minecraft. You know, I mean, or what you could do. You know, I mean, in any other game, like what you can do with an item really kind of dictates, you know, how you interact with it in in a, in, in a sandbox environment. And I really felt like this did not evolve um like how you interact with this this game and interact with this world i felt like was not very deep you know despite being able to you can customize your ship and you can build an outpost and i just felt like it you could do so much but you couldn't really I guess interact with it on a deep level if that makes sense it definitely makes sense and given that it's set in space it's like how do you tell a story in this massive setting right that is space. yeah yeah and I, I guess this is I guess this is I, I guess I'm gonna take this from what other people have said about the game and after I kind of like solidified my view on it I, I reached out or I didn't reach out I kind of just branched out and listened to other people and something that I, I kept hearing I guess it's a common phrase it's um uh I guess a mile wide and an inch deep hmm. and I felt like that, I mean, other people have said that to, to describe this game, but I feel like that really, you know, captured it. And, and the difference between, you know, depth and width, like there's so much you can do, but I feel like when you get down to it, like what you can do doesn't really feel that intimate and doesn't feel like you're really having an impact um, on the world. And at the end of the day, for me, the performance on Steam Deck really just got in the way of me playing it as well. Um, despite... It being technically possible, this game does not run on the Steam Deck. It, I, I, the last time I played it was on um, stream, and I guess you can check it out. I think I had it's like a log eleven if you wanted to. I just got into a fight, and I, I could not get it to load, in order for me to like, I guess, I guess have like be in a first person shooting environment. Like I could not shoot the person that I was trying to like. It, it was stuttering, I was moving, they were moving, it just like, it didn't run, and the game did run at one point, at, and I feel like it's it's constantly changing, it's getting optimized for more and more things, and the Steam Deck, I think, just got left behind um, in that, and that really... I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. That buttery smooth Xbox experience... It's okay. I, 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 I will say that um, I will, I'm, I'm not, like, this is not the end of me playing Starfield. 
I am probably going to play some more Starfields. I want to get a little further into it. And I really enjoyed my character. And I also really enjoyed playing it on stream. I feel like that gave me a lot yeah, of enjoyment. Yeah, it was, it was fun I... to tune into those streams. That's, um, they're, they're, they're good. Tune in if you haven't seen them already. And maybe, maybe don't the last one, because the last <laughs> one is when it, it went from the four, or I think it went from, uh, went from two to four. Um, so maybe, maybe don't watch that last one, which is, which is 11, but I think 10 was a, a really fun one. If you're going to tune into to one of the streams, I guess, tune into to chapter or log 10. I think that's a good one. Um, but yeah, I really want to continue to play this game on, on different hardware. And I, I guess I, um, do want to shout out. I love the photo mode. I took some really cool photo mode photos and I, I cool posted feature. some of them on my, I guess my, my threads or, or blue sky if you follow me on either of those um yeah check, i guess check out my screenshots i thought that some of them were, were really cool um so i enjoyed the enjoyed the photo mode but man that's, that's awesome. my number seven starfield I, I dude. To hear that you know it's it's rough to think of the developer bethesda having that having had a, a game like skyrim which is like an ocean and then thinking about like this shallow body of water that is starfield uh but you know it's at the end of the day there still can be like changes and updates to the game and this is not this is only the beginning for starfield um, yeah and i it, i guess it really is i guess i want to just jump into my number six because my number six is starfield um oh holy shit well that works out pretty <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> it definitely does man starfield got a six out of ten on steam which is like Steam ra it's, Steam ratings are pretty it, accurate. I you find. know, it's funny because I've I've kind of been following this and and obviously like we try to make these I guess these shows as as I guess as timeless as possible. But recently in 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 the news, I don't I guess I don't know if you've been following this, but it started out, you know, like 10 10, like 10 out of 10 on Steam and went to 8 and it it's just been That's progressively just, dropping. I think Microsoft just had the money down. to just like pay everyone like here, just just give us a 10. Just, just give us a 10, please. <laughs> well, it's it's funny because I feel like the, the marketing, like the promise of the game, I think the, the promise of the game, I think, bled into my early hours. Me too. And for sure. I, I, I really, like it, it, it hadn't opened up enough to me yet. It hadn't gone to the point where the veneer had worn off. And I, I do feel like there is more out there. There's more to see. But I feel like the most, I don't know, I guess... The thing that just hurts the most is it, it absolutely just, I mean, for me personally, I feel like it sucks, like, to just fly around and to move around, and for a game all about exploration in space, God, it sure sucks to do that. No, for sure, and I don't know if it's, like, you need a better ship, or, um, I don't know, I'm willing to give Bethesda the benefit of the doubt, just because they really did their thing with Skyrim, um, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. Hopefully, we get a massive patch. I believe in you. Bethesda, We've gotten a few. If you're listening, I, <laughs> I believe in you guys. Um, but moving forward, it was released on September 6th of this year. My mm -hmm. number six released on September 6th. Uh, single player video yep. game. Um, 666, Brandon. <laughs> Right after Diablo, are you trying to send a message? Hey, hey, you said it, not me. <laughs> the genres here: shooter game, action RPG, action adventure game, non-linear gameplay. Um, emphasis on that non-linear gameplay. I like what you said about just whatever you bring to it. 
is what you get out. Um, mm -hmm. And I had a great time playing as a professor who just so happened to have a bounty on his head everywhere, <laughs> everywhere I was going. I was, I was doing some pretty sick research, but all the people around me were getting tired of, of all the all this shit we were getting into as a result of my bounty. Um, and, and Starfield, I, you know, I think it stands as a true masterpiece. Um, after investing over 50 hours into the game, um, I can confidently say that it's nothing short of fantastic. Familiar with Bethesda's previous titles, I anticipated certain elements, and the game delivers on those expectations with an immersive world, interactive environments, and a ton of quests and activities. Um, let me break down some of the highlights. Oh, man. I mean, there's a lot of good... I feel like I, I kind of just shit on it a little bit. But, dude, there's some really there, good stuff. There is and, some really good stuff. That for one, And the traits and the... Oh, man. Yeah. Like, the wanted trait. Like, I actually... I guess really quick on this, like I never encountered, I mean, I was wanted just the same as you. Nobody ever showed up <laughs> and I'm, I'm just waiting. You know, I think, I think it's my work with Ryujin that must've pissed off okay. our competitor. Um, dude, okay. that's a shady corporation, man, but I don't want to speak too much, man. I signed an NDA. Um, <laughs> 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 but getting into some of the highlights, the densely populated galaxy, the world or galaxy, presents a rich and populated climate with major cities that feel genuinely lived in. While some planets may seem barren, they contribute to the game's vastness through randomly generated landscapes. Um, the compelling main storyline, the main storyline offers depth and choice-dependent pathways featuring personal dialogues and likable characters. The gripping narrative keeps players engaged, leaving them eager to uncover more. Um, the abundant side quests and activities, the wealth of side quests, activities, and errands ensures countless hours of gameplay. Bethesda's commitment to background storylines shines through with character building quests rivaling the main quest line in depth and action. Vast and detailed skill tree, the skill tree covers a wide range of quality of life improvements, additional skills, and helpful upgrades. Its simplicity stands out, offering a clean and tidy interface compared to the more complex skill tree in Skyrim. Um, the fun and addictive combat. Combat is a highlight, offering an enjoyable and addictive experience. The weapons pack a punch, making players feel in control and powerful against their enemies. Um, as well as a diverse arsenal of weapons. You know, the game boasts a huge arsenal of weapons, each with its unique attributes and attachments, from pistols and hand cannons to RPGs and sniper rifles. Each weapon type has its tier, adding a layer of strategy to the arsenal. Um, the friendly and accessible shops and vendors. Shops and vendors are easily accessible and consistent in their locations. Despite the vastness of space, tracking down vendors is straightforward and they offer a wide array of items based on their type. Um, the engaging base building was really cool. Base building is both fun and customizable, striking a balance between ease of use and depth. It serves a purpose beyond being a time killer, allowing players to create resource farms and upgrade various items at different workbenches. Um, and shipbuilding as a highlight. Shipbuilding emerges as a standout feature in this game, providing a delightful time killer within the game. It offers remarkable depth and customization, allowing players the freedom to create their ideal spaceship with the right investment of money and skill points. In summary, Starfield delivers an unparalleled galactic odyssey from its compelling story and engaging combat to the extensive skill tree and shipbuilding marvel. The game offers a truly immersive experience that transcends traditional gaming. With its vastness and attention to detail, Starfield stands as a testament to Bethesda's commitment to crafting extraordinary gaming experience. Mm. Dang, it really is a galactic odyssey. And I guess I just want to touch on a couple things really quick there. 
man, just hearing you talk about it, like it, it honestly, it makes me excited. Like I want to go back and play it. And I just think that this game as a product of its time in this moment, I just don't think it's it. Yep. But I think it just has all the potential to, to continue to, to grow. I don't know what it could be is so, you know, what it could be. Seriously. And I think that I guess, my biggest gripe, I actually want to kind of walk it, well, not walk it back, but I just want to say that in terms of, you know, the depth and width, I feel like if you really honed in on a skill like like shipbuilding or base building and you gave it like a ton of time, I think it would blossom into that depth. However, you, I feel like something that we haven't touched on it takes so damn long to level up Seriously, that it's just like if in order to get to that point, I feel like you got to put in hours, like a hundred hours and, and really focus in on a couple key skills. And when you're still kind of playing it and like, and figuring out which, how you want to play and maybe what, like I truly like I mid max the shit out of my skill tree. Like not a single skill has been wasted or experimented on like everything was meticulously thought out because it takes so long to level up you can you can't mess around and um damn damn i just wanted to be so i wanted i wanted to give it more time i wanted to be just uh, a little more accessible maybe accessible is definitely the word i'm looking for yeah. you know it one of the things that that gets to me is when i'm just trying to land on a planet and there are these mm-hmm. bounty hunters just there waiting for me, and, and my ship sucks. Um, you know, I, I can't, <laughs> I can't fend off these bounty hunters. But if they try to catch me on land, Blake, that's a different story. <laughs> they try to, find, mm-hmm. they try to find me on land, but they, they're always catching me as I'm trying to enter a new like system. A new, and and they, they just know, they just know my ship sucks. That's that's probably what it is. Um, and so I need to put yeah. some more hours into it, improve my ship, my ship fighting, um, get a crew that's just kick ass. Um, well, the thing is with the the ship combat specifically, you have to put in, you have to put in so many skills just to get the base features. Yep. Like, as a bounty hunter, I started out with I think two skills unlocked in my in my space combat tree, and I I unlocked like the ability for thrusters, which I honestly it is just buck wild to me that like the thrusters is a, you have to spend a whole skill point on it. Let me tell you what thrusters are, Brandon. You hold down the right bumper, and you can move it on the other axis. Like you can move the ship on the y-axis. Oh, I see. That, that's it. That's all the skill does, and you have to spend the whole skill to get that. Oh, dude. But it's like, it's so good, too. <laughs> it's just, it leaves you wanting uh, more, and I think they just, like, mm, they figured that out, and they just went a little too far with the, like, you know, just wanting you leaving you wanting more and and that's why i say bethesda is a, is a great developer i'm sure they'll they'll figure it out and i'm more than sure they will and not to mention the community behind it you know people putting mods into the game and and improving it themselves and then just the amazing things yeah. people have been able to create i think i've seen like a star wars kind of galaxy people mm. have been able to simulate but just thinking going back to the time aspect like that must have took them upwards of 500 to a thousand hours to, to even and that's a conservative estimate you know i don't even really want to think about how long it took them to do something like that on starfield people are putting the time but, into this game the game has promise the game has yeah. legs but yeah 
just I feel like as what it is today, I just feel like I couldn't just I couldn't justify giving it any any higher on my Yeah, I, I gave it a six for that reason. It's... Um but I'm I'm I wanna explore some more and and see what else the game has to offer. I know I'm only scratching the surface in terms of gameplay personally. Which is crazy. You put fifty hours into it. Oh man. I I feel like I I feel like I wanna like before we move on, I feel like we gotta just say something. Like, I don't know. Say, say like a last take. Do we, do we say? Do we? Let's here. Let's let's each give it a compliment sandwich, and then we'll 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 say something good, say something bad. We'll each do it, and then we'll and then we'll move on. Um, my compliment sandwich. Let's see. Um, my I really liked the shotgun that I got. I got a really sick shotgun and just ripping people. Um, with that, it was just awesome. A con, I guess my, in the middle of this, this compliment sandwich, I really struggled to find ammo for, for that gun. <laughs> and then my, my other compliment, um, <laughs> so I really liked my outfits. I found some really cool yeah, outfits. There are some really um, dope outfits on, on the game. I'll say my compliment, uh, the Freestar Collective um side quests mm. those are those are pretty interesting some really cool characters there um some some pretty <laughs> shaky situations that you get put in that really mm -hmm. test your character um and i appreciate that about the game like it, it really makes you question things in general yourself as a as a player as a person um and the game too what what is this game capable what can i do in this game what can't i do in this game mm. um i guess um kind of a, a negative would have to be dude those bounty hunters dude in my ship i feel i feel helpless like you're telling me i need mm -hmm. these this thruster skill just to go up like man i i need to spend a lot more time in this game in order to just safely did travel. you did you get the did you get the skill where you can use a, a weapon on each trigger um no no i haven't no okay let me tell you, there's so you when you're in ship combat, you've got three different, um, I guess, attacks. You've got the the um, the right oh, trigger. Okay. You've got the left trigger, and then you've got the missiles. Yes, I I have access to those. I do. Okay. I do have access to those, and yeah. that's another negative for me is like the system of like when you have like the bars uh, and you have to like while you're in the middle of of a fight, you have to like bring it down and up and like balance it. Like I feel like I'm driving a manual car. Like this is a spaceship. Like, what am I doing mm -hmm. here? Just you know, it's um, it, it's it's. It, I guess I just have to learn it better. That that mechanic is is popular in space shim in like other space shooting sims. Yeah. Um, like it was in um, I guess Star Wars Squadrons, and I feel like with Star Wars Squadrons, it. I think it was better because, well, I I'm, I guess I'm I'm putting that in air quotes. You got used to the ship you were flying, and I feel like in this one, like if you start off in a shitty ship, you want to go to a better ship, and that ship, you know, it might not be, I don't know, you might not be familiar with it. It's like there's, a, I feel like there's a huge learning curve to that. Yeah, and I feel like because you're, you're, man, I wish that I just wish the starting ship was better. I, I guess I don't have an answer for that. Yeah, because I feel like once you get to a ship that you really like, I feel like that system would make a lot more sense if you can get like used to it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, oh, I man. guess to close off my sandwich, the positive would be yeah. that combat, man. Like, 
sometimes mm-hmm. I'm doing a mission for, for the shady corporation and they want me to like sneak in and steal a, a, a card or something. And I'm like, you know what? Mm-hmm. Like I could just, I could just tear this up right now. Like I could just grab the card the hard way. And sometimes I just do Blake and, um, it's fun. It's fun Hell to yeah. just, you know, just start, just, just go to town on some people. Um, the, the combat is addictive. It's, it's really fun. And, um, I just wish I would improve my, my combat in space and my ship. You'll get there in time, man. You'll get there in time. I guess, who's, who's your favorite character? Who's your favorite companion? Um, is his name Sam Coe? Sam Coe? You like Sam Coe? Sam Coe is pretty cool. Vasco, dude. Vasco's my guy. Vos- yeah, Vasco, you've told me about like your interactions with Vasco and just like talking about life with a non-organic being. It's um, Damn. it's funny. It's it's interesting. I haven't quite interacted with Vasco quite as much, but I need to. He's, dude, he's you the... know what? I never, I never, I never figured out what happened to Earth. Did you ever figure out what happened to Earth? No, man. I, I want to know. What? I want to know. <laughs> we're we're done with Starfield. We ate our sandwich. We ate our <laughs> Starfield sandwich. We're moving on. I I am very excited for the future of Starfield. Me too. And what it can be. And, I, I think that despite, you know, this being on both of our lists this year, I, I think that this, this may show up again. I do believe that. All right, dude, we're moving on. We're moving on. Number six for me is Slay the Spire. Okay, I can see that. I was expecting that I, one. Yeah, I, I really love Slay the Spire, man. It, I guess just really quick, um, both Brandon and I, we checked it out. It was on PlayStation Plus um one month and it's a it's a a deck building roguelike and you kind of start out with a base deck based on a character and as you progress through um the run you grab different cards and you add them to your deck and there's just so many different you know play styles varieties variety of strategies and different kinds of decks like it is just such a fun game and I, I got it on my phone, and I'm thinking about getting it on my tablet as well. Um, but I don't know. I feel like I feel like that might just be a stretch too far. Um, but it's, I mean, playing it on the subway, like, it's my go-to subway game. If I'm, I feel like I'm normally not stuck on the subway very often, but if I am, it's my go-to subway game. Um, Remind me how much this game was again. It is $9.99 if you buy it on a mobile device. Okay. But if you buy it on Steam or a console or the Switch, I think it is twenty or I think it is nineteen ninety nine. Um But the game has been out for a couple of years. Um so it's definitely I think it comes on sale pretty often. Um But I guess I feel like for me personally, going from Marvel Snap to Slay the Spire was just such a natural progression. Those are two you know, like two a, solid games for you to have on the go. Yeah, just like a natural like progression of like like a card game that is, you know, designed to be, you know, done in a couple of minutes to a game that like the runs can last hours. Um and just like the the depths of each, like me just realizing how much I just love like the strategy and the card building and this the the card combat, um, for lack of a better word. Like man. Can I just say, I love the versatility of your list so far in terms of 10 to 6, how you have like Switch, (laughs) you have a Steam Deck, you have mobile games, you have console games, like some real versatility from you this year, Blake. Shout outs to that. You you know, I appreciate that, man. I I really push myself to, um, to, I guess, try things I've, I've never tried before and 
Um, I guess, I mean, two of the six that I, I guess, I guess two of the five that we've covered so far, um, two of them have been roguelikes. And I guess I actually, I guess, I guess I'll just say it. I have, I have two more roguelikes on my, on my list further down. I mean, this was a, a year where I, I just, I really kind of fell into roguelikes and it's a genre I never experienced and I, I really tried it and, um, uh, Man, I just I also I I really fell in love with like the card the card building like the strategy deck building like I'm I'm really excited you know for the future especially for this this genre this the I, I in some ways I feel like Slay the Spire kind of started this genre or not even started but they they really kind of I feel like Slay the Spire had mainstream popularity because I I was very excited to check it out because I just heard so much about it. Um, and there are so many new games coming out in this genre. It feels like a very like a like a blossoming genre, and I just it's just incredible. I think to just be able to play them, and especially like Slay the Spire, like I can play that on my phone. Like that's just crazy to me. Um, just just such a good game, um, dude. That's Slay the Spire, man. I've that's, seen the I've seen six. the promo for that on the Xbox. I believe is it. Remind me what platforms Slay the Spire is on. Is it on PlayStation and Xbox? It's on, it's on, everything. It's on everything. It's on everything. Who, de- yeah, who developed on... it? Do you know? Because I've heard so much about this game. Slay the Spire is developed by Seattle-based Megacrit. Interesting. That's the first time hearing that name. Oh, wow. Okay. So I, I guess I didn't realize this. So Slay the Spire was first released in 2017. Oh, wow. Wow. So this game... It's been around for quite a while, and it's still still causing waves despite being developed on a free engine. It's it's a great. I mean, it's a great game. It's got so many layers, and um, I mean, really, I guess just to go back to our previous conversation, you can have such an in like an in depth experience. Like you can really just immerse yourself in like the different decks, and you can just go so far and and have like such creativity and strategy. Um, with the decks that you build and and oh man just love it i guess that's 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 it for me man number six slay the spire <laughs> so for number six i think that that's uh where we're gonna cap it off for now that's the halfway point top five yeah we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna s- take a little break take a little break <laughs> and um we'll be back to say our top five which Dude, I'm oh, looking man. at this list right now. I cannot wait to get into some of these games, dude. I'm I'm really excited. I absolutely cannot wait. I'm sure your list is gonna be insane. Although I already know number one of the number threes, top threes for yeah, you. One of, one I'm curious where you placed it. Um, <laughs> well, I guess you'll just have to. I'll wait just have to wait and find <laughs> out. <laughs> he, was, he was trying to get me to slip up there. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, oh dude, I'm so excited! I mean, game of the year. I mean, it's really just such a, a great celebration, and I feel like we, I feel like we got, I, man, I can't believe Starfield's done, and I feel like, I feel like a weight is off my, off my chest, off my shoulders, man. I was scared you were gonna put it at number one. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really think you would, no. but I was just like, oh my god, no, there's, there's <laughs> no way I could put that at number one. I mean, it's a great game, but number one, there's there's some great titles I played this year, man, that I, yeah. I really enjoyed. Yeah, 
Oh, it's it's been a great year for gaming. So, oh man, I'm I'm also I'm really happy that you put Pokemon on your list. That that really it was hard. It was hard. It was I was it was like at twelve at one point. It was like at thirteen, but then I was like, you know what? Fuck. Hell yeah, man. All right. Well, let's let's take a break and we'll come back and do our top five. Top five. Top of the year. Thanks for tuning in. As always, we'll be back. Hey, this is Kyle from episode 79, the Starfield speculation episode with Blake. And to no surprise, my game of the year for 2023 is Starfield. After spending countless hours exploring the vast universe, finishing the main story, and almost all the faction missions, I can say that Starfield truly lives up to the Bethesda standard. They set out to make the space version of Skyrim, and I think they did just that. There's something for everyone in this game, and like with most games from Bethesda, I think we'll be playing this one for a long time. And we are back for the Game of the Year 2023 episode. We're going to be talking about our top five games. Oh, dude, I'm so excited, man. And I just got to say, like, this, this, I feel like where we're, we're coming into the top five, I feel like it's every game we're going to talk about is like a masterpiece, I feel like. And for me, I just feel like if it made it to the top five, it just hit on a totally different level. It definitely did, man. I can't wait to get into my list. But before we do, dude, I feel like I, in, in the break, in the interim, I feel like I had one more thought on Starfield. And I just kind of wanted to just talk about that that one last thought before we moved on to it, um, or moved on from it. Um, I guess Starfield was my number seven. It was your number six, and I think it kind of dominated, you know, the discussion for the last five. But so I so I want to be a little bit brief. But I just this thought that I kept having while I was playing it was I feel like you know everything obviously is is a product of its influences. Yeah, and for me, I I feel like with sci-fi when I'm when I'm drawn to sci-fi, I feel like I'm excited to see what's new, and and what's next, and I'm I'm just excited to look towards the future, and I feel like with Starfield, um, well actually I I guess like back to present day, you know I mean it feels like we very much are in the future, like we have flying cars. I mean, they're not economical or practical, but but we have them. We've got hoverboards. Like, I mean, they're just toys, really. Like, you can have hoverboards over water, or there's like hoverboards that are over the magnets. Like, and and I feel like we're on the precipice of, you know, AI becoming something a little bit more Sentient. tangible. I mean, well, may possibly. <laughs> I guess that's we don't know. But I mean, it, it is a consumer product that you can get for like twenty dollars, yeah. And I think it's like Chat GBT four point It's like nineteen ninety nine a month, and like you you can have access to that relatively affordably. It, it feels like we're in the future, definitely. And when I, I guess for me in particular, something that I wanted to look for is I in Starfield, I wanted it to be, you know, a glimpse to the future. I mean, so rarely do we get, I guess, like sci-fi stories that um, have, for lack of the better word, like they have the budget to back it up. Right. You know, like they could have done anything. They could have done anything. 
And it just, to me, I felt very disappointed that I feel like that didn't live up. I feel like it didn't do anything interesting. I feel like it didn't push the boundaries of sci-fi. Or I don't feel like it pushed the boundaries of what a game can be. And I feel like, you know, strangely, I feel like that's what a lot of people were let down. Because I feel like it just didn't have, um, I guess, anything new to say. And I guess, instead, in, in, in almost like for me personally, it feels like it went the other way. And it kind of went towards, you know, I, being a product of its influences. I just thought it was so strange that when I got to the, like, the Constellation headquarters, it was just this, this like, club. And it was just, like, the walls had, like, these wood panelings that were ornate. And they had, like, statues. And it just felt like this... I don't know, like this elitist group of explorers where one of them was like truly like a CEO of, of a really powerful corporation in the world. And it just felt strangely colonialistic to me. And I feel like we're at a point where we're just so excited to look forward that it just felt like a strange look back. I don't know if you felt that way at all. You know, it's interesting yeah. you mentioned walking into the constellation area because I first when I walked in there my initial thoughts were of the graybeards and mm. and Skyrim taking that trek up the mountain to go and visit them and it, it felt somewhat similar to that mm -hmm. and you know I, I think when I think about the execution of that release it just seems like a lot of the budget might have went to marketing and not so much into the actual development, the actual meat of the game, so to say. And uh, I, I feel like I disagree a little bit. I feel like the the trademark for this was was years ago. I feel like it was in like 2017. Here, let me let me fact check that. Um, but I remember there being buzz about, <clears throat> you know, Bethesda trademarking Starfield. I feel like this has been an idea. And, and been worked on for such a long time. Definitely, it was in the works for quite a minute there, which, you know, games like these do take a long time to execute, and the setting is in space, right? And from a design perspective, how do you design an experience in space that mm -hmm. y you can kind of one-up the last release that you had, which was just out of this world? no pun intended but yeah. I think I think that is part of the reason why a lot of people were let down it's just we were expecting better in Skyrim and mm. I don't think we quite got that yeah I, I agree I think that's I guess that's evident by from our list I, I guess it's hard not to compare it to Skyrim just because I guess the appeal of what the game was was so much, you know, this is from the creators of Skyrim. And I I don't know, I just, yeah. I feel like we should move on and, and really celebrate some other games, but I feel like I just had to get that last piece off my chest. Um, but it, um, September 13th, um, 2020, I'm sorry, September 13th, 2013 is when they trademarked Starfield. Wow, 10 and years. that was... That was 10 years ago. That's insane. I, I It's just crazy that this was an idea, uh, you know, for 10 years. And 
I don't know. It's it's interesting with all this and all this in context. I I guess even still, I'm I'm still developing thoughts on it. Yeah, I feel like it's it's one of those things where it's it takes so long to really have fun mm-hmm. in the game that it's difficult to kind of speak on it even still mm-hmm. like 50 hours in I still feel like there's still much more for me to explore and quality of life in the game to improve um, that it feels kind of wrong for me to like make those judgments on it but I you know I read some reviews and it didn't seem like a lot of people people who got much further than I did in the game were were content at that point point. Mm. and I think that speaks a lot to it yeah I, I don't I mean like we said earlier I, I don't think that that this is the end of Starfield I think it's just the beginning but hopefully uh, yeah very in, it's just I don't know it's just a it's kind of a standout this year I think for us and in terms of you know I guess where I guess what we had thought it was gonna be and what we I guess Maybe what we brought brought to the table, and then what it ended up being. For sure. All right, dude. Well, let's let's get into it, man. Let's celebrate some games. Top five, top uh, five, top five. Top five, man. Let's hit. Let's hit it. All right. Uh, What's yours? I'll start it off. Uh, my fifth game. Got it. Five. Cinco. Got a ten out of ten on IGN. This was okay. God of War Ragnarok. The second wow. game in the in the series. It was released on November Jeez. 9th, 2022. So almost a 2023 game. I've definitely played more of it in 2023. Um, its genres are action-adventure, fighting, RPG, hack-and-slash, even a shooter when you're playing as Atreus. And it was on <laughs> PS4 and PS5. It's a single-player game developed by Santa Monica Studio. Um, and published by Sony Interactive Entertainment. Now, wow. the God of War. anticipation for God of War Ragnarok was monumental. Given the towering success of its prede- predecessor, God of War, which came out in 2018, a game that earned its place among the greatest of all time, sequels often struggle to match the brilliance of their predecessors. But with this installment, the developers not only met, but exceeded the lofty expectations elevating the series to new heights. Every aspect from the story, graphics, and game mechanics, to dialogues, character development, shock value, sound design, music production, and a ton of other elements, collectively make Ragnarok the epitome of the God of War franchise. The infusion of humor through clever dialogues adds an unexpected yet delightful layer, contributing to the overall charm of the game. With, some, with substantial replay value, this game is a resounding recommendation for gamers, casual players, and even non-gamers, as its cinematic storytelling is so compelling that it mirrors a captivating movie. Even the side quests, often an afterthought in many games, seamlessly blend into the narrative, enhancing character backgrounds in brilliant ways. The focus on other characters is a welcoming, welcome addition, providing them the screen time they deserve from start to finish. The game maintains a grip on players, offering an emotional roller coaster ride propelled by marvelous writing. The perfect balance of comedic scenes adds a touch of joy without overshadowing the gravity 
of the storyline. The well-thought-out mm. pacing incorporating elements like comedic relief and quick puzzles allows player, players to savor the experience, offering moments to process the intensity and immerse in the awe. The music selection selection is nothing short of extraordinary, contributing to the immersive mm. atmosphere crafted by Santa Monica Studio. And two aspects that truly stand out in Ragnarok are the, sto- the story and the music production. The narrative unfolds as a masterpiece, surpassing even some of the most popular shows and movies of recent years. The music hits hard, including inducing chills with every listen, to the extent that the theme song finds a permanent place in playlists. At this juncture, God of War Ragnarok transcends the realm of mere gaming. It is a work of art, a cinematic warfare. To truly grasp Mm. this once-in-a-lifetime experience, one must immerse themselves in both God of War 2018 and Ragnarok. In one word, Ragnarok can only be described as a masterpiece. Damn. Yeah, this was this was one one hell of a game, and I'm definitely looking forward to playing a whole lot more of this in 2024. Um, I oh, man. I found myself wanting to play the game on the hardest difficulty, as I did on on God of War. Mm-hmm. After I beat it, I wanted to just run it back from the top, on the hardest Thanks. difficulty, and I you know it it, it really pulls you in uh it's quite a challenge like i i die a whole lot playing on the hardest <laughs> difficulty but i i don't quite mind it it's um i just want to be able to get those achievements on my mm-hmm. on my playstation profile on those trophies um it's oh, yeah, it's one hell of a title man if, if you don't have god of war 2018 i would definitely recommend it so that you can get into ragnarok because they do they do connect very very seamlessly mm. Man. okay so what's your i mean i feel like I, I feel like i do know your relationship with 2018 but would you mind i guess just describing it and like what that game meant for you i mean i know that you played it and then you you know you put set it to the hardest difficulty played it again and did you do that with this one too no this one guess- this one i kind of started out just playing like the normal mm-hmm. experience just wanted mm-hmm. to see kind of the story and how it progresses but then at certain points i would just go and and play it on the hardest difficulty just just to try it but it's it's really hard blake and i just really want to find <laughs> i want to find the story i want to just continue gotcha. that but do you do you feel like the story between kratos and atreya do you feel like it it progressed the same way that it did in the first one and do you think it like like it held up as a sequel i mean i know that you kind of said that i mean it's hard to it's hard to beat 2018 but or the god of war that came out in 2018 but do you feel like as a sequel it held up that's a great question um and as a sequel i would have to say it definitely did because in the first game you know atreus is is a younger boy he's about mm-hmm. I believe maybe eight to twelve years old, anywhere in that range, and so mm-hmm. the interactions between the boy and his father are that of, you know, what a twelve-year-old would have with their father. Um, but in this game, Atreus is a bit older; he's a, a teenager, and you know he's coming of age, and that relationship there is depicted really well, and so having that connection to the story in the first game and seeing Atreus kind of mature and kind of just want to go off on his own and explore Mm -hmm. and having these um, 
feelings of wanting to prove himself right and and show his father that you know he he can he can do amazing things on his own and also learning about the prophecy of Atreus who I don't want to spoil this but he's uh, a, a Greek god himself uh, mm. or based off of one or actually sorry Norse, a Norse god oh um, really so his yes. so Atreus he's a he's a, like a Greek god the Greek god of war right he's no Atreus is a Norse god sorry it's his based off of Norse mythology or What's Kratos? Is Kratos? I guess I meant Kratos. Is Kratos a Greek god? Kratos is a Norse god, I believe, the god of war. So. But that they're they're in the the realm of the, like the realm of Thor and. Um, Zeus. And Ze- but, well, I think the Zeus is from a totally different pantheon of gods, right? I I believe so. You know, now that you mention it, I think there's there's a blend, here. Of, of yeah. Norse and Greek gods. You might might want to search this up. Yeah, okay. So so Kratos is, is a Greek is a is a god in the Greek pantheon. And I I, I did play a little bit of twenty eighteen and I feel like his his wife in twenty eighteen is part of the, the Norse pantheon. There we go. Gods and that. So it's a connection and kind of, of god. Yeah, it's like both mm-hmm. both pantheons kind of coalesce and they, and they coalesce very well. The writing is is really good and it just keeps like it's a cinematic experience like i said like it just keeps you the edge of your seat mm-hmm. wanting to find out what happens next and it's it's full of surprises you know you can have at, at the beginning of the game one of uh, I believe zeus's son sons boulder mm-hmm. uh, finds yeah. finds you and finds kratos in a cabin with atreus and oh man dude what an epic boss fight that is that is just so fun i know that that's that's 2018 but man yeah. that just like that is like one of the coolest openings to a game ever <laughs> it was amazing and they definitely follow that up the whole way through 2018 and and ragnarok and so atreus has a much bigger role in in ragnarok as far as like the prophecy and how things work out Okay. And so it's it's amazing to see him kind of come of age and and fill that role and learn more about who he is and and what his purpose is. Um, it's it's really really cool. I don't want to get too into it because I don't want to spoil mm-hmm. it for y'all. But definitely definitely check this game out, this franchise out. You will not regret it. Man, that's that's exciting. I'm glad to hear that that held up because I I remember that you had had got it on release and I. I feel like I haven't heard you you talk about it in a while, so I'm so happy that it that it resonated, because I it, it's hard when you know like the first game is just so good, and I, I guess the I guess I say first game, but I think it's kind of a reboot of the franchise. I think it existed prior to the 2018 version, but it did, yeah, and that's mm-hmm. how I got into it because my dad was really into God of War and he would play it on the PlayStation. Mm-hmm. And he would even play it on my PS5 sometimes just to, like, get back mm. into it. And I think that also speaks to the appeal of the franchise is, like, people who haven't gamed or don't game regularly on console um, seek it out and, and want to continue the story. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I mean, there's really just, a, I guess, a paternal relationship there Definitely. You know, between Kratos and, and Atreia and then and you and your pops, too. 
and I think that's what that's what makes this game so special for, sure. for a lot of people. Um, so it's, I'm really happy to hear that the the second installment in the franchise um, holds up. That's awesome. Definitely number five. Number five. Yeah. Hi, my name is Ronald Rodriguez. I was on episode 73 of History of Resident Evil, and my choice for Game of the Year would be the Dead Space remake. Now, I know it's a remake, but the way it enhanced everything that the 2008 original did and amplified it and showed what the creators wanted it to be way back then shows how far the horror industry came and how redefining what it is of what a remake should be. And that's my choice for Game of the Year. What is what is your number five? Like? Oh man, you know it. It you know I feel like we're having um, like a great symbology uh, this episode because my number five um, completely revolves around uh, the Greek pantheon of gods. Okay. And my number five is Hades. Oh okay. <laughs> I've heard a lot Which, about this title. Yeah, so so I think I, I brought it to the show a couple times. It it is a a roguelike, and it's um. And Hades is a, is a super giant game, and you've probably heard of Supergiant. They, they've had a couple of other games like Bastion um, and, and a couple others. Um, I actually have played Bastion as well. Um, but Hades, oh my gosh, man, it, it's, just, it's such a good game. I actually, I, I first played this, um, uh, I guess, friend of the show and, and guest, Andrew. He had this on his Switch, and he let me play it. Um, when we, when we went to PAX and I kind of immediately was like, all right, I have to get this game. And I guess if you're unfamiliar with Hades, it's kind of like a top down action game, kind of like the, in the style of the old Zeldas. Um, and there's different weapons and you kind of, you're, you play as Zagreus and they're trying to escape the underworld and Hades is their, um, is their father. And you, you kind of are trying to make it through the levels of hell and trying to escape Hades, um, and it, it's honestly it's just a really fascinating roguelike because um, there, there's narrative progression where, like, if you let's say for example you're dying against a boss um, multiple times, like you'll you'll meet those bosses in, in kind of like the hub world, and they'll like say shit to you, like they'll talk shit, or or the opposite, um, really like cool. if you're um, if you're absolutely crushing somebody, it'll be like, oh, I probably shouldn't talk to them. They're probably like upset that I keep whooping their ass. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's really funny, um, and and just the act like the narrative and the, I guess the relationship that you have with these characters, it feels incredibly interactive. And I mean, you're kind of like I think narratively it makes sense because you know you're trapped in Hades, you're you're a god, and if you die, of course you you know you come back and. Um, it's just it's really fascinating, and I think that the reason that it's not higher and um, and it's it I mean it's truly a masterpiece. Like this this game is incredible, and I think rightfully so. Like when it came out, it got a ton of flowers, um, but it is just brutally difficult. It is brutally hard, and I mean you start out in hell, and it's not the it's not the most pleasant of places. Um, but as you make it to the different levels of hell, I actually just made it to the, I guess the third level. I've been to the third level of hell a couple times. 
and I can't remember what it's called. Let me let me look that up really quick. Uh, but that level is beautiful, and I think that there's one level after that. Um, so let me see. It sounds like one hell of a game. It it is one hell of a game. Um, okay, so it's actually I, I misspoke. It, it instead it's not the levels of hell. It's it's the levels of the Greek underworld. Um, so you okay. start off in in, in Tartarus, and, and that's you Earth, make it no? to. Um, like I think that. I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, it, it's possible, but I guess I guess when you start out in, in Tartarus, it, it's kind of like a bunch of dungeons. It seems like it's like the deepest level, um, where it's just like a bunch of rooms, and every like there's urns, and, and the enemies are very, um, I guess like they're very big and monstrous, and that's that's Tartarus, and then you make it to Asphodel, and it's very, um, um, I guess like there's lava everywhere. Like it's very fiery, like it's very crazy and it just is not necessarily an inviting place. And then you make it to the third level, which is, is, I guess the furthest I've gotten and it's called Elysium, which you've probably heard of. Um, it's a little bit more, I, I guess it's a little bit more fantastical and there's some, some brighter colors and it actually kind of looks like a nice place. And the game, it, it's tough because at that point, I'm like, I don't have any health. I'm, I'm about to die. And the game is just pushing me to my limits. Um, and the enemies are, are very tough. But it's just like so pretty. I just want to keep going. Um, but this game is just brutally difficult. And I think that's why it, it is not higher on my list. Um, I guess it's worth noting they do have an easy difficulty. And that's what I'm playing it on. It's called God Mode. And every time you die, you actually get a permanent buff. So, for oh, wow. example, I take, like, I, I've played about 10 hours. I've done, like, 25 runs. And I've, I've only made it to, to the third level a handful of times. And there, there are quite a few levels of, of hell, or I guess, or the underworld. And it, it really is, it, it's just punishing. It's so, it's so tough. And I think that that's why I just ultimately just... Um, it didn't end up higher, but I can't deny that I had so much fun playing it. Uh, but yeah, I guess throughout my 25 runs, every time I die, I get like a 1% or 2% buff. And that buff is um, like a reduction in damage. And I think an increase in damage dealt. So I just, I feel like I couldn't play this ever normally because I, I'm playing it on god mode. And it's still, it's just so hard. Wow. Um, so you mentioned you start in Tartarus, right? Mm -hmm. That makes me yeah. that makes me think about uh, Tar Tartaria. Have you ever heard of the Tartarian Empire? I have not. No. So Tar Tartary or Tartaria is a historical name um, for Central Asia and Siberia, and it's like hmm. been maliciously ignored here in the West, but Tartaria is kind of a suppressed lost land or civilization that originated in Russia. Um, Interesting. And it's like remnants of the old world. Um, you should you should look up like an old map of Tartaria. And wow, yeah, I'm looking me. at one right now. It kind of looks like it goes all the way from Russia to Germany. Yeah, it's um, very interesting history. Um, interesting. It looks like it was kind of an active empire from the 13th to 19th centuries. Yeah. It's, it's really, huh. really, really cool. 
cool stuff. Apparently they had like modern, they had technology and things that we we have today, but it's uh, it's just thrown up to conspiracy in, here in the West, but in Russia, hmm. it's uh, it's very much part of who they are. Fascinating. Yeah, this is interesting. Looks like it took took up a lot of parts of Asia and into, I guess, Western, or I guess, Eastern Europe. Interesting. Well, I'm going to have to do some more research on this. Yeah, that's what, that's what Tartarus reminds me of. Makes me think of the Tartarian Empire. Apparently, there's, there's, like, a huge mud flood that, like, covered it, and it doesn't look, it's not, you can't find remnants of it today. Interesting. It was, like, a huge, um, ecological cataclysm. Right. Fascinating. Wow, yeah, I'm going to have to learn more about that. I, I really don't know hardly anything about it. Um, but Hades but yeah, the, is, is Hades, sounds man. like a crazy, <laughs> crazy game. It makes me think of Elden Ring for like the developers of, of those games as far as like how punishing it is. And that's what I've heard about Hades. It's, like, it's just one of those like grueling experiences. But... Yeah, it brings it, people it really, back for that reason because when you actually can progress through it and get better at it, it's that much more satisfying. Yeah, and and I will say about Hades um, that for at least for me personally, I found I find the act of playing it so much more enjoyable than like the act of playing um, like Elden Ring. Like I think that the combat is just so much fun. Um, so I. I I think Hades is incredible. Um, it's my number five. Number five. Wow. Hi, my name is Ian Norris. I run the channel Necrotech, where I make video essays about video games and other various media. I was on the Sticky Buttons podcast, episode 76, where we discussed the first-person shooter Warhammer 40k Bolt Gun, and I spent an hour or so rabidly lore-dumping about the Warhammer 40k world to Blake. My favorite game this year, however, is not set in the grim dark future of Warhammer 40k, but in a modern-day apocalypse. I'm talking about The Last of Us. Yes, it truly took me until 2023 to play The Last of Us, and who boy was I missing out. A truly beautiful game that tells a survival story like no other. The Last of Us balances that Naughty Dog narrative style with engaging gameplay that genuinely surprised me with how fun it was. I played the 2023 remastered PC release of the game, and the graphics were fantastic, but like many games this year, it took a few months before the game would actually run smoothly. Other than The Last of Us, my runner-ups would be the Resident Evil 4 Remake and Hi-Fi Rush, both spectacular games that you should all check out. But thanks for having me on the pod, Blake. Here's to another year of gaming. Already going into four here. Awesome. So yeah, I'm excited to get into the fourth one. I think that sound yeah, number is, four. is connected to the fourth title here. Um, that's going to be Hogwarts Legacy. A 2023 oh, wow. action role-playing game developed by Avalanche Software and published by Warner Brothers Games under its Portkey Games label. The game is a part of the Wizarding World franchise, taking place a century prior to the events chronicled in the Harry Potter novels. Now this game got a 9 out of 10 on Steam, and it's on Switch, really? PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox X, and Series S. Uh, Microsoft Windows initial release date 
was February 10th, 2023. It's a single-player game, um, and its genres are puzzle, action RPG, entertainment, shooter, speculative fiction, non-linear gameplay, uh, fantasy, societal. Um, now, as a dedicated Harry Potter fan spanning many years, uh, my mom and I would go see every single movie. I read all the books. I can confidently declare that this game has exceeded all of my expectations, leaving me overjoyed yeah. with the experience it provides. While my only wish is for Quidditch to be included, it's a minor desire compared to the wealth of content the game offers, from delving into intricate wizarding lore to uncovering secrets around the castle. The expansive and visually stunning world invites exploration, creating an enchanting atmosphere. The storyline, equally captivating, adds an intriguing layer to the magical universe. One standout feature is the exceptional portrayal of NPCs, with characters like mm. Sebastian leaving a lasting impression, prompting a genuine interest in unraveling more about him as my in-game character builds a connection. The constant discovery of new information about the beloved wizarding world, even for someone with the books and movies practically memorized, injects a renewed sense of wonder, reminiscent of the thrill that comes with reading new books. The graphics contribute significantly to the immersive experience, soaring through the skies on a broomstick, surveying the picturesque landscapes around Hogwarts is a visual treat. The absence of loading screens while traversing the world, coupled with the option to fast travel, enhances the seamless immersion, allowing players to enjoy flying over the Hogwarts grounds, Hogsmeade, and the mystical Forbidden Forest. The magic system, a critical aspect of any Harry Potter-inspired game, surpasses expectations. Initially skeptical about potential clunkiness, I was pleasantly surprised by the well-designed system. The ability to customize your spell hotbar and seamlessly switch spells mid-battle adds a layer of strategic depth to the magical encounters. In summary, I wholeheartedly endorse this game. Whether you're a die-hard Harry Potter enthusiast or simply a fan of fantasy RPGs, acquiring this game is a must, and the sooner the better. Dive into the magical world it meticulously crafts and you'll find yourself enchanted by an unforgettable experience. No regrets here. It's a magical journey well worth embarking on. Damn. Dude, I'm so excited. I'm so happy that this is on your list, man. Yeah. And I feel like I just got to say, dude, my FOMO for not picking this game up is just <laughs> going through the roof, man. Oh, dude, I, I'm so happy to hear that. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge Harry Potter fan myself, and um, I, I, I think not picking this game up was one of my biggest regrets of the year. Um, especially in hindsight, um, I, I guess for me personally, I, I really, as I've said on the show, I really wanted to pick it up and fall, um, just so I could kind of embrace that, um, the role playing of it, um, and feel like going to school in the fall. And I know that you just got out of school, but for me, I'm kind of looking back on it and I'm like, man, I kind of missed the, the, like the very specific schedule and like having more time to just like, I guess, worry about different things and, and be in a different mindset and, you know, just being more eager to learn and, and having like opportunities for creativity. And man, I, I didn't pick this game up because I, I wasn't connecting with Starfield and I wanted to make sure that I gave it some more time and they came out or when Starfield came out is when I was thinking about picking up Hogwarts Legacy. So I, I'm just so happy to hear that it that it lived up to your expectations, and and it it delivered a good story. 
and it definitely the gameplay did. was fun. It definitely did. Re- oh, recording man. that Hogwarts episode was so much fun. Shout out to Mark. Yeah, shout and out Edgar to Mark and Edgar. And hopping out <laughs> of that episode, we all had a great time with the game. I think Edgar got the furthest out of all of us in the game, and he just he had an amazing time with Hogwarts Legacy. We all did. I mean, it's. Oh, I'm man. I'm definitely playing a whole lot more of this. I'm just getting started with Hogwarts Legacy, and I'm just super appreciative of of Porky Games. Uh, well, actually, Warner Brothers games, but they just label themselves Porky Games. Um, mm-hmm. For for spending the time on this title, I felt like there were so many ways this could have gone wrong, but they they didn't drop the ball. They truly executed, and yeah, that's so that's so good to hear, man. I ah oh, man, I think I'm gonna have to pick this game up because I it's also we're coming into the holidays here, and I feel like. You know, something about Harry Potter and the holidays, man. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it feels right. I guess, let me, let, let me ask you this. Um, when you progress through the game, do the seasons change, or is it all kind of like, does it all stay in one season? That's a good question. I, I haven't noticed the seasons changing, but when you go to different okay. settings, there's, you know, different, you definitely get a feel or a taste of all the seasons. Okay. Okay, so you get, like, different biomes, essentially. For sure. Okay, all right. Oh, man. And I think that we talked about this a little off-air, but would you mind, I guess, just reiterating, you know, what you kind of said to me, and I think it was, I was asking you about um, if you felt it it held up as a story. And I was was kind of coming from the aspect where it it was, you know, um, we're coming into, like... um, like Halloween time and I was excited to, to watch the movies and I was kind of like, you know, they just aren't hitting the same because I've just seen them so many times and I've read the book so many times. Like does this hold up in, in regards to that? Yeah. You know, I feel like it's a refreshing uh, take into the, the Harry Potter or the wizarding world franchise because you know, you, you don't, there's really not, there's some connections there. But there's really not um, repetition as far as like the layout of, of a Harry Potter book or or a movie. Um, it, it truly is its own story, and you know you have to make your own character. And I believe you, your character has um, like ancient magic. Like you have access mm-hmm. to. A level of magic that the average wizard does not and so uncovering what that truly means and and how you can contribute to the wizarding world as a result it, it truly tells a, a really refreshing story and it, it, it it's its own it's its own story and in, in every aspect oh that's awesome that's awesome to hear what what house were you in um so i <laughs> I was um, Ravenclaw initially on my first playthrough, but then I wanted to be Slytherin, so I made another playthrough <laughs> where I I, be, I was playing as uh, I, I believe I was playing as Voldemort, which was great. I was playing as Tom Riddle. Which oh, you kind of just made an evil character. Yeah, I made an evil character, and and the game kind of fosters that environment like from the from the selection of of did it it allow you to kind of lean into that exactly it it allowed you oh wow that's incredible into that 
um, personality type, if you will. And that was really fun. I mean, tune into the episode with Edgar, and you'll get you'll get some really good insight into that. I mean, he had a, perhaps a bit too much fun with it, but <laughs> yeah, it's oh, it's man. a lot of fun, man. And that's exciting. It's definitely one of those things you want to ask your family or friends to get you for Christmas, because I know you can't buy games right now. But hey, it's not the new year yet. That is true. Um, I guess I guess more on um, Brandon and I's plan for next year um, in the coming episodes. But oh man, dude, this is making me this is making me want to pick it up before before um, January first. I'll say that much. You won't regret it. <laughs> oh man. All right, dude. Well, man, I'm I'm really happy that 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 game hit, and I I feel like that is I'm just so excited to play that one. Um, so what's your number for it, Blake? All right, man. My number four game of the year um, is Sable. Okay, talked a lot about that game this year. I I really loved I really loved this game, and this game um, I guess visually is very striking, and it really um, kind of harkens to the pastel, um, shell shaded art style of Gene Gerard and Mobius Comics. And I think that is initially why I was so drawn to it. Um, it was just the, the beauty, the pastel beauty of this game. And coming to play it, I, I was really blown away. I didn't really know what to expect um, because it kind of feels like in, in the trailers and in the marketing, it really just is trying to uh, sense this, this vibe or it's really just trying to evoke a feeling. And... Coming into the game, you you play as a character um, that it's a you know they're a young character and they're going on their a coming of age adventure and they're I mean for lack of a better word they're kind of exodist um, from their tribe and it's it's part of this the culture it's part of the wider wider culture of this world that when you reach a certain age you you leave your tribe Interesting. and you wander and you just explore. And when you're ready, whenever that may be, you pick a mask and that mask kind of dictates your quote unquote profession or your group of people or, or your tribe. And that becomes um, a part of you. That's amazing. And there are, there, there are so, it, I mean, it's a very cool idea and it, it's very evocative and just playing the game. Um, it was just so peaceful. Like there's there's no combat really. You're just exploring and there's a greater mystery of how you know this world came to be and there's I guess underlying hints that it's humanity that you're interacting with it and or that you're interacting with and the people that you're or the characters you're interacting with are, are humans. And it it's really, man. It, it's just in, in, incredible. Um, there's this. There's a couple group of people that are. They're very interesting to me. Um, so I guess there's. There's. It, it's a group of people. They're called mechanists, and I think that I I talked about this in our episode. They they have a relationship with technology that's different from everyone else, and and they believe that all technology has or, or it has a spirit to it. And 
in one of the first missions, you have to build a glider, and this glider becomes the or becomes the main, um, I guess, driving force in the game. It becomes the main mechanic. I see. Uh, but you you kind of explore and you find engine parts, and you find a a wing, and you build it together with your town's mechanist, and you discover its name. And this glider has has a name, and um, it's they they kind of had this belief where all these parts were part of something else before, but they were always meant to come together to become this this glider. And I just thought that that was such a beautiful message, especially in today's day and age, where um, we we just have so many things or physical objects around us you know, physical objects come in and out of our lives and, you know, especially technology, like sometimes things become outdated and they, their use or their, I guess, perceived use kind of goes down. And I guess this, this recycling and reusing mentality is not something that we have. Um, and I just like, from an ideological standpoint, I just love that. And I thought that that was just so empowering. That's so interesting. Um, and then you hop on this glider and you go out into the world and it's you just explore this beautiful desert and as you go in any direction you could find any number of things and it's just such a peaceful game would you say would you say this is a non-linear kind of title absolutely absolutely i mean it's an it's an open world i mean you I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, you you get out there, and there you could go in any direction, and you you kind of leave your town on on your adventure, and that's kind of part of it. I mean, you're coming of age; you can go anywhere and do anything, in any order. And as you're kind of just just leaving this this town, this music plays, and it, it's just this beautiful music, and it just kind of makes you feel, at least for me, that going anywhere and doing anything is exciting and breaking out of, you know, your comfort zone and and experiencing the new is part of life. And that's amazing. And yes, there's part of it that's scary, but as you go out there, it just, it can really just, just bring you the most beautiful things. I want to touch on something you said a bit more. You mentioned that there are uh, pastel colors in in the mm -hmm. game. What is this game, if you had to describe it, like, visually, how, how, does, it, how does it look or play? Okay. Um, I, I am colorblind, so I feel like I, I'm going to struggle with this. Um, uh, okay. I, I feel like, so I guess I kind of described it. Um, it it's, it's very, it kind of harkens back to uh, an art style that... that um, um, was kind of coined by this person called Jean Girard, and they were a, a French comic book artist in the 70s, and they had a publishing company called Mobius, and they they have um, so I guess if you search Mobius comics or or Jean Girard in in a, a Google search, you'll find um, images, and and I guess I'll do my best to kind of describe them. It, it kind of feels like this took direct inspiration from that. And, see, I'm looking at some um, of the art, the art style. See what you mean. So it's uh, if it looks kind of like 2D ish. 
Yeah, yeah, because I mean it's inspired by comics, so it's in it's two D and or I guess it, well, I mean the game is is a three D. I mean it's a three D third person open world kind of game. Um, but it feels very. I think that the word that is is used is shell shaded, and it it feels very like even though it's three D, it's kind of flat. And it kind of almost feels like anything that you see could be drawn on a piece of paper. Yeah, even I'm though looking, it's like a. I'm looking at the art style right now. I see exactly what you mean. So I think that that is is kind of described as, as shell shaded, where it's kind of flat. And I think that that's very interesting. That 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 is done intentionally, obviously, and and just the colors. I guess I would say pastel, and that it's kind of washed out. Um, and kind of light and bright, um, but it kind of feels like. Um, but actually, there's a lot of orange. There's a lot of orange and reds. So I feel like with with um, in in Moby and I guess Gene Gerard's work, for at least from what I've seen, a lot of it's very blue. Um, and I feel like there are, there are some blue areas in this game, but I feel like the opening area at least is very orange. Um, if if that helps. No, it, it definitely does. Besides riding your hover bike, what is your favorite way to get around? That's it, man. You kind of just glide over this this beautiful landscape, and it's just it's just like exploration in its its purest sense. And I recently came across this city, and I needed to, I guess, kind of figure out what had happened to a power core in, in the city. And, and um, they, they kind of came, I guess the, the city's um, security council, they came to me and they said, hey, you are the only one that's not from here. You're the only one that can be objective. Like, will you help us solve this mystery? And I think they call the, the practice the gliding. And you're, you're out on, on this, this wandering adventure and you know, people people come to you and respect you because you're, I guess, seen as so innocent and so pure and you kind of get these um, interactions with people that you may not have if you were, you know, part of this, part of a different tribe, for example. And I think that that's really interesting. And I, I think there's a lot to reflect on, you know, here and how, you know, I, I feel like, when you're, I, I felt when I was, was younger that I was capable of so much more um, than what was expected of me. And I feel like when you're, you know, of a young age, you, you are very capable. And it's kind of, you're not really seen as that in, in our society. And I think you are in other cultures. And I think that that was an interesting reflection for me personally, but um, also just, I don't know, just a reflection on how other people see you if you're if you haven't, you know, if you have no allegiance and you're you're an unbiased right. um, third party, you know, and just being you know, not not part of the tribe. You're not one of us and how people, you know, interact with you. I thought I just thought that was interesting and but I mean I mean just truly this this game was just so peaceful. And if if you're listening to this in, in December um, this game is, is one of the free games you get for PlayStation Plus. Um, and I absolutely love this game. So, so go check it out. Um, uh, as I'm sure that your, your journey will different vastly from mine. 
um, just because when you get out into the this this desert, I mean, you could go anywhere. So, I I really think it's it's a journey that everyone should experience, and and that's Sable number four. Yeah, number four, Sable. Top three. I remember you talking about that game a lot, but yeah, now we're in top three. Man, this title, this title right here. Just want to preface this by saying I have not played that much of it. Oh, dude. But the little bit that I have played. When you know, you know. Yeah. So, the third title for me is gonna be Baldur's Gate Three. Oh yeah. Uh, this game. Very got fitting, a man. Ten out of ten on Steam. <laughs> <laughs> it was developed by Larian Studios. Um, it runs on Divinity 4.0. Uh, its initial release date was August 3rd, 2023, although there was a beta open for quite some time. Um, it's on Xbox Series X and S, PS5, Mac OS, Microsoft Windows, Steam, and it's a multiplayer video game. Uh, now, Baldur's Gate 3 stands as a testament to what modern Western developers often shy away from delivering a title that's not only of exceptional quality but also rich with unique content in a landscape where some developers believe that exceeding in quality and content sets hard standards it's a breath of fresh air to see a studio alongside from software genuinely caring about the consumer this game is a labor of love meticulously crafted with the player at the forefront it offers an expansive, detailed, and beautifully crafted RPG experience that promises hundreds of hours of immersive gameplay. Just as Elden Ring set a new standard for open-world action RPGs, Baldur's Gate 3 establishes itself as the pinnacle for turn-based RPGs. Oh. The choice of engine for the game seamlessly captures the, ensin- the essence of Dungeons & Dragons, allowing players to approach encounters with a level of creativity rarely found in non-pen-and-paper RPGs. The heavily updated Divinity engine aligns perfectly with the freedom inherent in Dungeons & Dragons, enabling players to navigate situations in ways traditional video games might restrict. Picture this, Blake. Mm. One character hurling a nearby barrel of water at a group of enemies, followed by a wizard casting an ice spell on the puddle causing the enemies to slip on the frozen ground and become prone, (laughs) making them vulnerable to more successful attacks. This kind of creative gameplay mirrors the experience of sitting around a table with friends and a dungeon master, a testament to the game's dedication to capturing the essence of the pen and paper experience. I wholeheartedly recommend getting this game not only to enjoy the rich gaming experience it offers, but also to support the resurgence of actually old standards except nothing less 
and let these developers who prioritize quality over shortcuts thrive in a landscape often saturated with mediocrity. Baldur's Gate 3 is a must-play that stands as a beacon against the tide of lesser alternatives. And man, the little bit I've played, Damn, I can tell dude. you, it just sucks you in, dude. <laughs> this game sucks you in from the very beginning. It's it's so captivating. I never played Dungeons and Dragons um, and the non-pen and paper RPGs, mm-hmm. but shout-outs to Tarek, who used to work with us at the Upper West Side mm-hmm. location. He was a dungeon master. He would rush out of our, our shifts and go... Uh, you know be a dungeon master for tons of players mm-hmm. and you know just seeing his genuine interest in dungeons and dragons piqued my, my curiosity into it and when i saw that baldur's gate was getting amazing reviews i just knew i had to pick it up and it was such a good call blake in 2024 is going to be full of baldur's gate 3 content on the podcast i'm just letting Damn. you know that. i'm okay with that man <laughs> i i'm gotta i've gotta say man i have been fascinated by this game. I've been following it for quite a while and just hearing you talk about it, man. Oh. I didn't realize it was it was turn-based. Yeah, it is. It's it's turn-based, so you get it um dang, you know, some choices there. Okay. You get a little bit of time to think. So I I did kind of know the the roots of it being in D&D and man, I dude, you got to tell me about your character, man. Tell me about the character you created. Um I, I'm fascinated. So I, I made an elf. Okay. I made an elf. And, you know, like I said, I haven't gotten to, to play much with him. But he's he's really good at magic. And he's constantly finding things. So I'm, like, exploring. And then he'll identify something in the world that'll help out uh, the team that I'm playing with. And um, he's very smart. He's um, often leading negotiations, hmm. um, getting us out of sticky situations. Uh, when our back's against the wall, my character is frequently the one that has the solution uh, to get us out just in the nick of time. Hmm. That's awesome, and man. This, this is my first playthrough, but I, I'm excited to try out different different types. And it'd be fun to have more people to play this with because it truly is a multiplayer video game, although you can run through it by yourself. It, it truly it plays perfectly when you have a group of, of four, let's say. I just want to play this so bad, dude. I've heard so much <laughs> praise about this. And just like the ability, you know, to kind of create a character and hop into to be able to role play. Like, I'm so jealous that you get to have that. And, man, this game just looks incredible, dude. Uh, I can't wait to hear more about your journeys, man. Um, I, I think it's telling that... Um, that you know, I mean, a lot of these other titles you've had a lot more time with, and they came out earlier in the year, and you had time to sit on it. It's just it's crazy to me to think that this game made such a good impression on you, and you were able to to make it your number three. Yeah, man, it it earned its spot at number three. Damn, Baldur's Gate three. get into your number three my number three is a is a game called art of rally and (laughs) this was this was originally um this kind of is is the opposite of starfield where this kind of started at my number nine 
um, and just kind of really just crept its way all the way up. Um, and I guess just really quick, Art of Rally, it's a very simple game. Um, it's really just a top-down driving game. Uh, and one of the reasons that I loved it is it's just... It's just a peaceful experience. And in a year where... Uh, I think I'll get to this maybe when we talk about our honorable mentions, but I really struggled this year in particular. I was I was so busy. Um, I think I was just busier this year than I have been ever. Um, and just in terms of like work and just having opportunities um, professionally where I wanted to put in extra hours and... and um, I guess just work more than I ever have um, on top of moving and, and being in a new area. I just felt like my time with games was, was a lot more limited than it's ever been. And the art of rally um, was really just like a sanctuary for me um, where I could just hop in and just do a race. And I think what's, what's just so brilliant about the art of rally is it's about rally racing and the sport of rally, which was a which learning about this I learned about this this sport through this game. I mean, it does a great job of I guess telling the history of you know the sport of rally racing. Um, it's all time based, so you're on these roads that are in these and oftentimes I guess remote places in the real world, um, and I guess the the whole concept of rally was it was consumer cars or I guess cars that you could buy, um, you know, from a manufacturer and they were modded and kind of souped up and then they were taken to the, you know, the most strenuous places on earth and they'd make a course and then they'd race it. And it would be one car at a time and whoever had the fastest time, they won. And it translated to a game you know, you're playing in these like picture picturesque, you know, environments as you drive through the mountains and, you know, or you're in this, the Sahara Desert and you're just driving a car and there's nothing else because it's just you and the road and it, it's a time trial, but it, it, it never feels stressful because you can really just let the car rip and you can go as fast as you want and then you'll just spiral out of control and have to, you'll get like a five second penalty and you'll be like, Oh my God, I don't care. I was having so much fun. I really thought I could make it around that corner, you know, going a hundred miles an hour, which of course you can't. And as you kind of just progress through the game, you, you get into different er eras of rally and the different cars. And as you progress, you know, through that, through the sports history, the cars become a little bit more, um, advanced and you can pull off these like sick drifts but it's also like the cars are getting better but you also as a player are getting better because you're going through you're going on this journey from you know starting off and um, you're in these these kind of um, slower cars and you're kind of learning uh, but then it, you you kind of it, it's just a great pace where it goes from you um, you know you've kind of mastered it and then they throw you into the next category of cars and they're just totally different. And they handle different, they feel different. And I'm, I'm not really a big car person, but I feel like this game made me so interested in cars and I just I just loved it. And it was just, I don't know, it's just such a, a, a breath of fresh air, just such a, um, 
just a bright spot in my year of gaming. This definitely seems like a, another title where the art style is, is very captivating. Yeah, um, it, it really I is. I really love the way it looks. It's very simple. It's very, like, I guess maybe the word is kind of boxy. Like, but it's it's just, I mean, everything that's there, you know what it is immediately. And it has, just because it's so simple, it has the ability to just throw so many colors in there. And it just makes it beautiful. And I, I think it's on everything. I think it's on Xbox. I think it's on Switch. It's on PC. I'm assuming it's on PlayStation. Um, and, and this game, it, it's it's shorter. I mean, I think, honestly, I, I want to say that, but I think I played it for like 30 hours. And I would just go back in and, and play it more. Like, I'd, I'd finish a, a rally, and I'd, I'd do it again. And I would... There was a free mode where they kind of took the different, um, I guess, rally maps from different regions, and they kind of made it into this huge map. And it was just you could just it was called Free Roam, and it's literally just you driving around a map, and there's no stakes, no nothing, it's just you just driving around this huge map, and that's it. And in that free mode, it's just so peaceful. And I really would like, like get off work and just unwind playing that game and. I, I think that it, it's just an incredible experience and it doesn't overstay its welcome. Um, and it, it just felt like it always left me fulfilled at the end of the day. And I, I think it's a masterpiece for that. Tell me more about the physics of this game. So if you're driving on like <laughs> dirt terrain or if you're driving on like Concrete, it feels it so feels so good. Deep. I'll just say that they actually through a lot of the courses they have you know pavement and then it goes into um, dirt track or it goes from pavement to um, snow or it goes from snow to ice and they all feel different and and like when you go from pavement to dirt I always loved that because when you when you're on pavement you can definitely drift to a certain extent extent but then when you go from dirt to, or from, from um, I guess from pavement to dirt or gravel, you can really fishtail. And it really feels like you just do the same thing, but you just do it more dramatically. And then if you go from that, awesome. like from the dirt and gravel to like snow, like you're, the snow is just so much more slidey and then you get to like ice and it's just a whole nother level. Um, There's like no coefficient of friction on there. That's probably super But it's, it's crazy because you get so good at it. That it's like, yeah, I'm I'm fucking going 60 on a on an ice lake, and I'm just cruising, um, you know, through the Norwegian mountains. Um, man, it was it's just awesome, just so fun, dude. <laughs> I would recommend this to anyone. I I really feel like a lot of these games, like you have to have a certain level of, um, especially with Baldur's Gate, like you kind of have to have like a knowledge of like turn-based combat or. Or, you know, you have to be willing to role play. Or like for Starfield, you've got to, um, you know, know what a first person shooter is. But this game, like anybody could pick this up and play it. Like, I, I, it's just so fun and it's so simple. And I think that's what makes it so good. Art of Rally. Yeah, it's an amazing, an amazing game. I can tell. I love, I love Rally. I remember last time we were spo talking about this game. I think you mentioned something about... Um, the sport of rally yeah. not being a thing anymore. Yeah, they, they um, you know, that's kind of the, the ethos of why this game exists because there are people that love the sport 
and it it ceased it ceased to exist just because of the dangers of it and a lot of people died um, from oh, their cars crashing into trees specifically and um, let me tell you that really mirrors the experience I mean you really kind of feel like as you're kind of going through this and you, you mess up a turn or you turn or you, you kind of mess up the brake a little bit you don't quite make it and your your car just rams into a tree you know I mean that's it you know because you're going 60 and it, it, it turned out to be a very dangerous sport and, uh, and you know, a lot of people did die, but that's, I think kind of part of the allure of it and that it doesn't exist anymore. And, you know, driving, you know, can be very dangerous. And, um, I, I've been in a really bad wreck myself and I mean, not that I didn't, not to make this about that, but I didn't, you were rallying <laughs> maybe, <laughs> Maybe, but I feel like this does give you a certain appreciation for cars, and you, it certainly makes you think about that at the very least. Um, at least, even if it's fleeting, um, it is. It, it really does celebrate the sport, and it celebrates the cars, and it celebrates the people that you know love the sport. As you're, I mean, one of the coolest things that you can do is they have these. Um, it's kind of funny because they're kind of just like little box figures. Um, but as you're kind of coming around a corner, sometimes there'll be a crowd of people. And if you drift through it, they, they cheer and they just go electric. And it's really funny because if you kind of like, if you're not going very fast or you kind of mess up the turn, they kind of cheer, but the, it's kind of a little bit muted. Um, but like when you just like rip through it, they go wild. And it's just like a whole nother level of like, there are like, people spectating you and your performance through this and and it's really only happens two or three times um through a course and a course can last up to five minutes like three to five minutes um so when it happens it really feels like it's actually a pretty long time yeah yeah it is it feels like a celebratory moment and yeah i mean you really do like you are really engaged in it because it lasts from you know three to five minutes going through this track and like you're really in it um, but you know, I mean, when you're relaxing three to five minutes, you know, it goes by in the blink of an eye. And I think that time flies when you're having fun. It really does. So good. Oh, that's amazing. Number three, the art of rally. Dude, top two. Top two, not two. <laughs> this is, um, this game here got an eight out of 10 on IGN and a 91% on Open Critic. Okay. Um, can you guess which game this is going to be? Um. Oh man. It's a PS5 exclusive. Oh. It was released. It was released on October twentieth this year. Single player, action adventure game platform. PlayStation Two, huh? No, no, PlayStation Five. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> Imagine. Damn, Brandon's bringing a PS2 game. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Is this Texas Chainsaw Massacre? No, it's not. Okay. This is Spider-Man 2. Oh, okay. All right, that um, makes sense. <laughs> developed by Insomniac Games. And Insomniac typically develops their games on an in-house proprietary engine, so I can get information on that. But, man, Spider-Man 2 is nothing short of spectacular. Okay. Especially for those who have immersed themselves 
in the world of Spider-Man through Spider-Man 2018 and Miles Morales. Insomniac has truly outdone themselves with this sequel. The narrative takes a daring leap, embracing a bombastic and wacky tone that sets it <laughs> apart from its predecessors. Despite the heightened, the heightened theatrics, the game manages to balance these elements with emotional moments that resonate. The character arcs, both for our heroes and villains, are executed brilliantly. Early encounters with intimidating foes like Kraven and the truly threatening Venom mm. showcase a deep understanding of the characters and their dynamics. The overall story left me thoroughly satisfied, and the resolutions for both Peter and Miles felt fitting and earned. A special mention goes to the side missions, each featuring a compelling story arc for both Peter and Miles. Peter's side adventures in particular left me excited for potential DLCs or hints at the next installment in the series. Graphically, Spider-Man 2 sets a new standard, with both ray tracing options contributing to a stunning visual experience. The city feels alive, with dense traffic and well-populated areas. I, I love passing through Queens, even passing through the store that I work at in the Upper West Side. Um, it's truly set in New York City including NPCs engaged in various activities like playing tennis on a rooftop. Insomniac has indeed hit it out of the park, and the seamless fast travel system adds to the technical marvel of the game. Traversal, a key element of any Spider-Man game, remains impressive and smooth. They've not only maintained the excellence of the first game, but improved upon it, making swinging around the city as Spider-Man a consistently enjoyable experience. Combat, while simpler than the 2018 game, is more action-packed with the introduction of new abilities. The increased number of enemies is well-balanced by these abilities, aiding in crowd control. The simplified gadget system, though a good move, does leave a hint of nostalgia for some of the gadgets from the first game. While the game is an overall triumph, I did encounter minor glitches like enemies clipping into walls and occasional audio bugs. Playing as MJ, while more bearable than before, still doesn't compare to the thrill of being the Spider-Man. Additionally, the concern arises that Miles might be too overpowered, raising questions about the challenges he might face in future installments. Hmm. Despite these minor drawbacks, Spider-Man 2 is a must-play. The glitches are minor inconveniences in the grand scheme of the game's excellence. Don't hesitate. Grab this game. You will not regret it. Man, I have such a great time just swinging around the city doing tricks. That's mainly what I've done in this game. Like, like I, hell yeah, dude. I haven't beat the whole story, but I just love traversing through New York City, doing these crazy f combos in the air, swinging through things. It's it's fun to be Spider Man. Hell yeah, dude. Oh man, that's that's so awesome that this this made your list, dude. Um, and it's so high up. Like, hell yeah, man. Um. Wow, you had Baldur's Gate 3 at number 3 and Spider-Man 2 as number 2. And number 2. That's, that fits, <laughs> yeah. man. That's that's awesome. Um, I guess really quick, I mean, I I, I liked Spider-Man. I didn't make it all the way through it. Um, I liked uh, Miles Morales, and I think I just I just didn't give them the time. So I'm, I'm, I, I am familiar with the games, but um, I kind of know where their stories kind of go. And then obviously, you know, you get Venom in this one. Uh, but tell me about Craven. I don't really know that much about Craven's story arc, and um, I guess how does like, I guess what happens to Peter? You know, I mean, I mean, I guess maybe I don't know if you can say that without spoiling it, but I mean, he has, you know, Venom's got him, you know. So Craven is a hunter, and you know he's 
he knows how to hunt down the spider. So is, is he after the? Is he Kirk. after like Peter Parker, or is he after like the villains? Because I guess like the trailer made it seem like he was hunting down like the the Spider-Man villains. So, Craven is after revenge. So okay. he's he's truly a hunter, and and Spider-Man's ability to elude capture has made him almost an impossible challenge for Craven. And so he's obsessed. He's obsessed with Peter Parker. And the more Craven, the hunter, obsessed over Spider-Man, the more intense um, their their rivalry becomes. And um, in in the game, fighting him is one of the best cutscenes I've ever seen. Damn. The fighting scene between Spider-Man and Craven gets really, really intense. And man the way they execute that experience between just having a cinematic moment where they they go into a cutscene and then you just kind of seamlessly break into this fight it it just feels so smooth and i don't want to spoil too much about it but i'm just gonna say craven escaped due to um he escaped prison damn to um another villain that always happens uh, man they always escape Yeah. Oh man, that's exciting, dude. I'm happy that I'm happy that um, this major list did. I guess one of the, the the biggest appeals for me when I was I'm considering picking this up is they had like a bunch of cosmetics. Like, what uh, what skin did you rock around with? Like, what what um, I can describe your uh, like what you rocked as like uh, Peter Parker and Miles Morales. Like in terms of like what spider suit? I really like um, the vintage suit for Spider-Man, like the Spider-Man, okay. um, the old like, is it Tobey Maguire? I the I Amazing think so, Spider-Man yeah. suit. You you I love using the Amazing Spider-Man suit, and for Miles, um, I like using just the the plain old black suit that he has on uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I absolutely love that movie, and being able to play in that suit. It's just a great, a great feeling, um, and and definitely definitely gives you that that connection to Miles, um, and Miles is really overpowered. I, I will you know reiterate. Dude, that. I mean he can he's got the venom man, which I feel like they should have known. I don't know. I feel like maybe they shouldn't have given that the then the name of that venom, considering there's a character venom. But dude, it's yellow lightning man. He can freak. He's like freaking Palpatine man. He can shock people. <laughs> dude, he can he can take electricity and uh, dude, he's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and that that has saved Peter's ass. <laughs> that electricity feature. Oh damn. Okay, so this is also the first one where where they're together in a game. How does that feel? Does it feel good to like switch between the two? It feels amazing to be able to switch between. Can the you two just do it at easily. Will? Not really. Okay. Given that it's a cinematic experience, you kind of have to go through certain cutscenes and be in kind of like open areas in the game where you can just kind of free roam in order to like seamlessly switch. Okay. But they are telling you a story um, of this dynamic of, of the two Spider-Men and how they go about um, helping each other. Uh, Peter is very much a mentor and he has a lot more experience than Miles. And so he can he can give him that kind of emotional um, guidance that he needs to, to deal with being, you know, a, a young man who's trying to get into college, um, and also be Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, 
and just managing you know his personal life peter is definitely like a huge guiding light to him and i think miles is a, a refreshing reminder to peter of you know yes you have this amazing you have this huge responsibility mm-hmm. right but you can still uh, have fun with it and, and mm-hmm. enjoy it and so they really you know feed off of each other and, and the story does a great job of exploring that dynamic yeah you know man i really feel like it's like a happy accident um that the 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 peter and, and the miles like relationship works so well right because like in terms of like like miles like he has like he has peter he has spider-man you know what i mean like he has like right. a mentor and um i feel like just like what like what he could become you know just because he has that mentor and he has that light like i'm just so excited to see where his story goes you know obviously in both like the the spider-verse film and also just like here in, in this franchise too like what could he accomplish because he has like like spider-man is his mentor you know what i mean and i guess just kind of like conversely like spider-man like you know he he's really kind of conflicted with this you know um i guess the responsibility that that he has and and what he feels like there's it with with miles like there's somebody else there like he can lean on somebody and and share that responsibility with and uh damn dude it's just such a cool dichotomy like i and from I guess from what you're saying, it kind of feels like that they really they really nailed that here in this game. They really did, and it feels so good to be able to play as Peter. I will say Peter has some of the better suits um, <laughs> than than Miles, but Miles has some of the better like moves and, and combos. Um, like I prefer combat with Miles as opposed to Peter, but yeah, they they truthfully nailed that and when they're fighting together forget about it I, I would hate to be a villain fighting two Spider-Man I mean how do you stop how, that yeah. you can't man you just can't <laughs> oh man so I guess do you think like I mean obviously you haven't made it to the end of this you don't I guess totally know where the story goes but yeah I'm taking my sweet time with this story and I'm just doing tricks all over the city hell man as hell yeah man as you should um, but do you think that like, is this the is this the future of the, I guess the Spider-Man franchise? The franchise. Do you think the next installment is gonna have them both, or do you think they're gonna break it out and have a Spider-Man or or a Miles game again? Like, you know, that's a great question. What do you think they're gonna uh, do. I, th- I think if I had to guess what they would do, I'm fairly certain they would just continue this dynamic of of Peter and Miles and kind of finish out that story. But I do think in the future, far future, we can see kind of a, a branch off of, of maybe just Miles um, and, and vice versa of just Peter and his story. Um, there's really so much to tell. The city is just full of people and, and problems to solve. And so, yeah, they're, they're definitely gonna, they have so much to, to go with content-wise. Um, but shout outs to Peter for, for holding it down for miles. Like you said, he, he is that shoulder for, for miles to lean on. And, you know, in the story, he definitely needs it. Yeah. I I mean, it's a, it's a two way, man. It's both ways. Damn, dude. I I feel like I really need to get this game, man. I, I, I've got to say, I, I feel like 
I'm a newfound Spider-Man. And I feel like we, I don't know if we talked about this on the show or not, but I feel like I'm living in, I guess like growing up in the Midwest, I could never connect with Spider-Man. But I feel like now that I like live out here in, in the city, like I feel like it just clicks, man. Like I can't tell you how many times I've been walking down the street, just been like, damn, like I wish I could just like swing. Like I wish I could just like, yeah, like <laughs> I also have that thought very often. Like, like the ability to catapult yourself with like the when you can like reach out left arm, right arm, grab something and just catapult yourself off is so cool. I would love to do that. Yeah, I mean, like you kind of just look up at the verticality of the city and just be like, damn, like I wish I was Spider Man, and um, man, I just the ability like you can like really live that in this game and. Um, I've actually I've seen some gameplay and it really does feel like the the city that they've built here. Yeah, it's dude. pretty insane. Going back to the traversal, like the that's why I wanted to like know what engine Insomniac built it on because it's just the physics engine mm-hmm. on it is just sick. Like the way they're able to have Spider Man move through the air, do sharp cuts between skyscrapers and like tight tight city streets. It just feels so smooth and, and almost kind of simulates it as if you were doing it in real life, so to say. Hmm. Um, it, it does a really good job of that. And so shout outs to Insomniac Games too, man, for, for executing that perfectly. Hmm. I, I mean, I, I don't see how they could improve it, but I'm sure that they know how to make it better. Well, I guess something that's present in this game that's not present in, in the other games is there's kind of like a gliding mechanic, right? Can you? Yeah, there there is a really cool gliding mechanic. Can you tell me a little bit? Which, about that? Um, yeah, so there are like little rings mm-hmm. in the air, like kind of like Sonic rings. <laughs> um, and then when you go through them, there's like a a jet stream almost, mm-hmm. so you can like swing into a glide into these rings and find like a quick pathway through the city, and it's much faster than swinging. Uh, but also a lot scarier. Like you can just okay. whack into a building if you don't do it correctly. Mm. Um, but it's a really cool mechanic that I'm glad they introduced, and I'm I'm looking forward to using it more. I mean, does that keep it fresh it enough? Itself like, is, is that like is that a new enough thing to to make it fresh again? Yeah, for sure. It's you know you can you can glide quickly, glide, mm-hmm. um, and then switch into a swing. And then the glide, I will say the glide is really useful when you're trying to cross burrows mm-hmm. over like the Hudson. Okay. Um, it, it really helps crossing that because you can't, there isn't really much to swing on uh, besides like the bridges and, and they put little like boats on the water mm-hmm. that have like pointy tips that you can just like swing onto and then launch off up off okay and uh that helps you kind of maintain that momentum when you're trying to swing through a borough like over a body of water mm-hmm. in new york that's nice um but the the gliding really if you get tall and if you go high enough in the city and then you just glide over the water the body of water into the other mm-hmm. other side um that mechanic really really helps out the traversal there well that would be fun as hell to do that in real life <laughs> hell man it you're telling me oh uh, yeah better better than the q train the the much better than the q train <laughs> oh all right man dude spider-man 2 hey what's up my name is edgar and 
you probably heard my voice. I was on the Hogwarts podcast with Mark. And you're hearing me again because I wanted to say that my game of the year is Spider-Man 2. But it's not because of the whole game itself, right? Yes, of course, it was great because it's Spider-Man. Everybody loves Spider-Man. But you see, you may hear me before I'm about to say, I enjoyed it more because of Venom. That five minutes I get to be Venom, like that was, that was special to me. That touched my heart. I am a big Venom fan and Marvel. Like the Tom Hardy Venom, the Venom from Spider-Man 3, like the cartoon Venoms, like I just love Venom. I don't know why, like that superpower is what I want to be. Yeah, and that's why I would say Spider-Man 2 is my game of the year. What's your What's your number two, Blake? All right, my my number two is Astria Six Sided Oracles. Okay, um, Astria. Yeah, Astria. Um, man, this this game really meant a lot to me. Um, I I guess on a personal level, this just this game just I feel like I saw like trailers for it, um, and it's it, like it was just an indie game, and I was like, oh my gosh, like that looks incredible. Um, and I kind of saw it kind of like right at the time when I was like just getting um, really into Marvel Snap and it was like a deck builder, but it was, it uses dice. I mean, hence the six sided oracles. It, it's a roguelike deck builder where you use dice and you build a deck of dice and just like seeing the trailers, I just got like so excited for it. And um, I mean, like it was just kind of just like this, this mythic game kind of that like it just didn't exist anywhere. Um, and like nobody was really talking about it. Like I couldn't find anything online and the art style is, is really striking. Um, unlike anything I've seen and I went to PAX and it was just at one of the booths there, you know, there's Astria, the six sided oracles and I go and I, I play the demo and it just like, it just blows my mind. Like it's so fun. It just like, just captivates me. And, you know, talking to the, you know, the, the team there at the pub, at the publisher and just kind of telling me like different, like, oh my gosh, like you can, these are only two of the characters. Like, I mean, wait till you unlock some of the others. And I'm just like, just so just leaving that or leaving PAX, just being so excited and having that human connection to it. And then, um, you know, the, the demo was they made the demo available on steam and just like getting that demo and just like running it over and over again and it would kind of um turn out that that demo was just the first level or the first area of the rogue the roguelike and just like i just love just running it again and again and just seeing like what kind of dice i could get or what kind of a build i could make and um just it's just so much fun and i think what's just like so fun about it is it's it's kind of like it's similar to slay the spire where you're kind of like building you know this deck and they kind of you get random dice and you kind of have this like dice pool and like oh my gosh like this one works really well with this one or if i can build you know this one stat up and i get this dice i can really like like land at home and um, just like building up all of these possibilities and these decks, like it's just so much fun. And I've never made it to the end of a roguelike before, but I have in this one. I made it to the end um, of the, which it's funny because a lot of a lot of roguelikes you make it to the end and you realize it's not the end. 
and I made it to the end of this with one character, which it honestly, it was just like a perfect storm because I, I unlocked this new character and I was like, all right, I'm just going to try it. I'm just going to try this new character and see how I do with them. And I went all the way through and I had like never used their abilities before, never like seen um, like what kind of, like what was possible um, with like combos. And I was just able to take it all the way and you make it to the end and um, you just like see this, like I guess this wall and this wall has like like an icon for each character. Um, so when you get to the wall and you get to the end, like it's like you really just see that it's like this is just the beginning and you have to do this with all the characters in order to see what's next. Um, and it really, they, it just has this like theme of environmentalism and uh, like the, there's like corruption that's corrupted the world and that's kind of what you're fighting uh, as these oracles. Um, and man, it's just such a good game, dude. Six-sided oracles, man. It's just incredible. <laughs> I want to ask, what's your favorite oracle? Oh my gosh, dude. So, so that's the thing. It's it's really it. I I have I do have a favorite, um, and it's it's tough because I've I've unlocked five of them, and I think to unlock the sixth one, I have to make it to the end with the other five in order to see the sixth. And I, I, one of them I haven't spent a ton of time with, um, but basically the, the first two, there's one where you kind of build up your knowledge and building up this knowledge allows you to kind of build up, um, kind of like, um, uh, it's kind of like, like, um, oh my gosh, what, what is this thing where that's like, uh, the, the carrot to like the power of two. What is, what is the word for that? Where it's like exponential. Yeah, it's like an exponent, it's exponential. So you basically kind of build up this this meter and then your damage becomes exponential. Um, so that's one of the um, characters. And there's another one where you just, <laughs> you just deal a ton of damage and they're like a hammerhead shark is kind of like what their oracle is. The other one um, was an owl and this one's kind of like a, like a hammerhead shark. And you basically, you kind of use something called like a tide and it's kind of like you deal lots of damage, but you also deal damage to yourself. But you can kind of build up this buffer to where when you deal damage to yourself, it deals damage to them. Um, but it's like hard to time. So it's like they're a little bit more of like a complicated character, but they deal a lot of damage. And there are ways that you can just like negate the tide. Um, and there's, um, I guess this one's my favorite, um, just because I think it, it, it just, I think it allows for more creativity. Um, it's it's um, they're kind of they're like an alligator, and they have these these things called sentinels, and they basically have these like two little mini, um, um, I guess like sentinels is what they're called. But they they have like a smaller health bar, and um, they have their own dice, and you can only have up to two. But there's there's kind of like a, like the way that you can build this um, build your deck up to where like if you damage a sentinel um you you get like a like a invisible like um i guess meter that you can keep building and then you can get a dice that every time you've damaged or repaired a sentinel like you get um you deal like an exponential amount of damage no oh, excuse me but you can also like there's something i think it's called like a like a tidal bomb or something like that and it's you build up this kind of meter 
and um, when you de- when you like destroy a sentinel, like if you deliberately destroy a sentinel, they have like this huge like bomb of damage that they do, and they do it to everybody. Um, and I guess I, I've mentioned it before, but I guess just to I guess refresh everyone, it, it, there's really it's like a dichotomy. Like there's really only like there's corruption and purity. So like if you do like you could have a dice that does corruption or purity, and you can deal deal it to the enemy or yourself. And it's really kind of, um, I guess, delineated by red and blue. So red is corruption and blue is purity. So if I have a dice that does one corruption, I could, I guess, apply that to the enemy and it would heal the enemy or I could apply it to myself and it would damage me. And the same, it's the opposite for purity. So I could either damage the opponent or heal myself. And, you know, there's a, just a given give and take of, you know, how the dice roll. And I'm sure that you have this a little bit in, in Boulder's Gate 3, but like when you get like a great dice roll, it just like feels so good. It's like, it's just a random chance, but like you had, like you planned it out and like you picked the dice that went into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So man, it's just so satisfying. Where does this rank together. in terms of roguelikes for you? Is this your top one? It's my favorite one I've ever played. Hands That's down. amazing. That says a lot about this game. And Especially I, given that it's a roguelike deck builder, not like, you know. Yeah, I, I really expected to, um, I guess if I had to just like, like without playing them, like I would have expected Slay the Spire or Hades um, to kind of be the top, the top dog here, just because they're, they're well regarded. And I mean, they each do something very fun and they do something very unique. But with Slay the Spire, I mean, that game... It's very clear to me that that game inspired Asterisk Six-Sided Oracles. I feel like Asterisk Six-Sided Oracles, um, I guess if it came out in a world where Slay the Spire didn't come out, this would be the best game ever. <laughs> um, but because Slay the Spire exists and is so successful, I feel like people get similar things from Slay the Spire. But whereas in Slay the Spire, you have like de- like you have like a deck of cards. Like when you get the card, you play the card that's it here i mean there's just so much more to it because your character has certain abilities and your abilities are dependent on your health and like i said you can either deal yourself corruption or you can deal yourself purity and you have dice that have both on them and if you damage yourself like you can like sometimes the best move is for you to deliberately damage yourself so that you can use your abilities and it's really just like you have to be so much more strategic and so much more thoughtful and there are just so many more possibilities that I think it really um, just makes it that much more incredible. And I I mean, I love this game. I, I think it's the, I, I mean, there's just like, in terms of just like the possibilities and like fun, creative, fun, creative, um, I guess, decks that you can make, like it's just so fun. And, and I just absolutely loved it. Um, that's Astria. Six-sided oracles, man. So good. <laughs> Dude, Astria, six-sided oracles. It's I'm looking at the playthrough right here and just like the... Seeing the purification versus the corruption, the art, like the art style of how the corruption like comes out and it starts small and it like metastasizes into this huge thing. It's mm-hmm. so badass. Like I think the art style here is is amazing. 
Yeah, the art style is is just incredible, man. It's it's so captivating. I I I really feel like this game, um, if it came out any other year, would have been a bigger deal. But I just feel like nobody knows about it, and I feel like I I really just want to champion it, um, because it I just feel like it is so unique. Um, man, I I I love this game. <laughs> Number two, and also just a testament of going to PAX and being able to like check out something that you know you you otherwise wouldn't have heard about, and then yeah, with that, yeah. I mean, obviously, like having a, a personal connection and like meeting you know some of the team, um, and I guess to, I guess to clarify, I don't think that they worked on the game. I think they were part of the publishing um, division, I and see. They, but I mean, just like still even having that like connection, like the person that was at the booth, like they, they were just like giddy as could be about this game. And they were just so excited for it. And, and like, I think that it was very clear that I was excited for this game as well. And for us to just be like, like, dude, like, isn't this sick? And <laughs> um, he had like played more of it. So I was just like captivated. I was like, tell me more, like, like anything you can tell me, like, tell me about this game. I can't wait to get my hands on it. And I just feel like that that wonder um, and just that excitement that it just bled out from that and um, I I'm just honestly this game's incredible and I guess just it does have a nine out of ten on Steam um, I don't think it has a, a ton of reviews but I think when it came out it was trending in the deck builder category but I think that may have been um, short lived yeah I mean so it it's very positive on Steam. Um, um, it's got 2,000 reviews, and of the recent reviews, 94% have been very positive. Um, gosh, I mean, yeah, the, the developer is Little Leo Games, publisher is um, Akupara Games. Like, I, I can't speak highly of this enough. Like, I mean, unfortunately, I think it is just on Steam at this point. So it's oh. just, a, just a Steam game. <laughs> Damn it. Um, I'm sorry. It is on Xbox, I think. Oh, okay. Wait, hold on. Let me let me double check that. Yeah, it's on it's on Xbox as well. Um, get this get this game, dude. You'll you'll absolutely love it if you have an Xbox. Um, I I just I just love it so much. That, that's my number two. <laughs> number two, Astria, Six Sided Die. Six Sided Oracles. It's time, dude. It's game of the year, man. I I feel like I know it. I feel like I know what yours is. You've already said it. I know. I mean, it's not a surprise, man. Um, so, Texas Chainsaw Massacre mm-hmm. is a 2023 asymmetrical, and just a quick caveat into asymmetrical, I view asymmetrical as a broad category that can okay. include many different things, but at its root means players have access to different types of things than other players. Uh, survival so it's an asymmetrical survival horror game developed by sumo nottingham and published by gun interactive it is based on the 1974 film of the same name the game features four victims attempting to escape the family of cannibals before they catch and kill them so this game has a 7 out of 10 on steam Um, it was initially released on august 18th of this year Um, and you can play this on pretty much everything ps4 ps5 xbox one xbox series x and series s xbox cloud gaming microsoft windows steam 
um, and this runs on Unreal Engine 4. I'd say the genres of, of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, action and indie, um, and it's a multiplayer game, solely mm -hmm. multiplayer. Um, this game is a true masterpiece, although it might not cater to everyone's taste, especially those who aren't fans of slasher movies. If you're a horror buff, Gun Interactive's commitment to delivering an immersive survival horror experience, placing you squarely in the intense third act of a horror film, will undoubtedly captivate you. Personally, I have a deep appreciation for this game, acknowledging its minimal content. My enthusiasm stems from a long-standing desire for a sandbox slasher game. A craving that persisted Damn. since the hiatus of updates for Friday the 13th, the game, due to legal issues. Yeah, that game no longer exists. I wish I knew what happened there. Um, I think it might have been some licensing issues, but going what was this? forward... This was, uh, this was a, another game that you liked to, that you used to play? Yeah, Friday the 13th, the game. Did you ever watch the movie Friday the 13th? I have not, but I think I, I, think I own that game on Steam. I think I it was, it was based off of uh, Jason, the killer, mm -hmm. who like, can't stand water because his mother drowned him as a baby. Damn. But he's... Um, yeah, now he... <laughs> <laughs> and now he takes it out on everyone else. That game was really fun. Um, I had a great time with that back in 2018, 2019. Um, and so the Texas Chainsaw Massacre effectively picks up the torch and with ongoing content updates, promises to keep the experience fresh for fans of its predecessor. Some players have expressed dissatisfaction with the absence of tutorials or clear escape explanations. However, mm. I find the lack of handholding to be a stroke of genius. In real life situations, there are no guides when faced with danger, and this game authentically captures that essence. While it might not align with the competitive and strategic playstyle of Dead by Daylight, the abundance of customization and loadout options for each of the five characters on both sides emphasizes a commitment to offering a roleplay movie experience rather than focusing solely on winners and losers. The game's, the game's standout features include remarkable voice lines and sound design, the nerve-wracking tension induced by the chainsaw revving closer and closer <laughs> adds a layer of solid gold suspense. Characters calling out to each other when recognized in a room enhances the immersive experience, reinforcing the idea that players are a group of friends thrust into a nightmarish scenario. One of the game's strengths lies in its faithfulness to the first two films of the franchise, sprinkled with influences from the entire series. This attention to detail is a treat for any Leatherface fan seeking a trustworthy adaptation. Considering the current standard price of $69.99 for games, this game retailing at a $39.99, uh, the reasonable cost for three well-designed maps at launch is commendable. The basement area is, in particular stands out consistently feeling like a maze through countless playthroughs. While opinions may vary on how quickly the gameplay loop becomes repetitive, I can confidently say that I'm thoroughly enjoying every moment. I play this game maybe two to three times a week, and uh, it's just fun to just jump into a game, rather, whether I'm a family member or a victim. It's, um, it, it truly changes it up every time. Um, it feels you never know how how things are going to play out 
and and that's what I love about it. And not to mention the multiplayer aspect of it, being able being thrust into this lobby with just random people trying to survive and escape together, um, talking shit in the in the lobbies before you start the game. I, I love <laughs> I love inciting the killers before we start the match so that they have an extra incentive to try to get us. And then when they can't, it's just that much more fun and satisfying. <laughs> but when they do catch you and you were talking crap, you know, you, you kind of just have to move forward into the next match with an L. Damn. But, dude, I've had such a great time with this. Um, I've been talking about it in the past couple podcast episodes. So tune in. And um, Yeah, dude, I, I think it's really evident how much... Um like you love this game, like you've truly have brought it up so many times, and I gotta, I gotta be honest, man. Like one of the first times you brought it off, I feel like I kind of, feel like I kind of scoffed at you, man. Um, but dude, I mean, it's it's very clear how much you love this, and like you've brought it up like so many times, and like every time it's like you've had like a, like something new to say about it, and I feel like that is is very telling where you can have like a new experience, you know, every time, and. I think obviously I think a, a lot of this is, you know, you bet you. I mean, you play this with your friends, and I think that that social element is probably really important to it too. But damn, dude, that that's awesome that you can just, even still like, even still have like these incredible experiences in the game. It's it's truly amazing. It's just getting in the social element definitely, you know, hits the nail on the head. It it keeps you coming back especially like having seeing your friends different play styles and how they really can can take advantage of a character's abilities to, to escape and and also seeing how you know other people can really sabotage you um just for the heck of it like my friend matt <laughs> he just he insists on making the spot hot and, and, always, <laughs> and always just crashing like running into um bones to leave that like sounding effect slamming doors and like if he's being chased by uh, Leatherface, he'll like go to me and he's trying to take you out with him. Yeah, exactly. He's not trying to go out alone. Um, <laughs> but it's you know it's it's a truly a fun experience, and, and I definitely will play this game. Hopefully, there are no legal issues with this one, and um, I can play this for the rest of my life because it's just one of those titles where it gets that adrenaline going. I can turn it mm. on at two a.m. I'll be tired Damn. from a long day at work, <laughs> but that's that's truthfully the best time to play it in the middle of the night. Oh man, it just really adds to the 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 appeal, the allure of it. And um, man, what a title! I never thought that a thirty nine ninety nine <laughs> game would um, would have you know would have such a grip on me. Dude, uh, I'm t- I'm I'm just imagining like Brandon coming home. He's like, all right, dude, I'm ready, I'm ready to get hurt, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when you were saying that, I was just thinking, I was just like, man, I feel like we come to, sometimes I feel like we come to games for very different reasons. <laughs> Definitely. I'm just like here to, to, to mellow out and have a good time. And Brandon's like, all right, if I'm not dying, it's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I will say I don't play as a family member as much. It's not that fun to, to like chase people and kill them. But it is you. Really you like fun. to try to escape. I love to try to escape. I love the challenge of being put in that situation, and not only escaping for myself. As of late, I've gotten to the point where I like to establish that like team environment and escape for everyone. 
Um, so I've recently gotten into like opening the basement exit because you can like sneak into the second floor of the house, open the circuit breaker, and it opens the easiest exit, which is already in the basement already. It's just a bit mm-hmm. of a hassle to get to. But if you get it, your whole team can escape. They can just jump down a well and run out the basement exit. Um, and it's great to like be a good teammate in that sense, clear out the basement for other people so that they have an easier time sneaking around Leatherface and also mm-hmm. guiding new players to, to escaping because they, they really don't give you a tutorial or hold your hand at all. They kind of just throw you in there. I hope you can escape. Yeah, I mean, I mean, from hearing you talk about it, it feels like it's it's truly like a sandbox, and I feel like one of the moments that that you highlighted um, in, in an earlier episode was where you were. I think you were trying to get to a fuse box or something on the second floor, and like you had thought you had been left alone, um, but they were like the other player was just like baiting you, um, and just like the just like the possibilities that you still um, were finding after playing it, you know at length I, I just think really speaks to it yeah it truly is an amazing game that, that you never know how a match will go no match is one in the same because everyone has such different play styles and like i said it's an asymmetrical game and so people start off with different abilities and things and tools around them and the environment so it definitely adds to the appeal well that's just another game i'm gonna have to get brandon i mean shit yeah i'd, I'd love i'd love it <laughs> I'd love to try to escape with you, Blake. Oh, dude. Really I, I feel like I, I really am not the biggest horror fan. And I feel like it really... Um, I feel like a lot of times it, it spooks me. And I, I get a little unsettled. So I feel like I would definitely need... Um, definitely need you there. So whenever I'm ready, you, man, I guess I'll hit you up. <laughs> I'm going to help you escape, dude. Are, are, you, are you a hot. fan of... Are you a fan <laughs> Are you a fan of the the genre of movies that this is inspired by? Yeah, I love I love Texas Chainsaw Massacre, um, okay. and and slashes in general. Although okay. I you know I don't like mentioning that it's a, it's a bit of a guilty pleasure. Well, but hey man, if you'd like it, dude. It's just the thrill mm-hmm. in, the, in the slasher that um, is is super is super thrilling, entertaining, gets the blood flowing. So. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever. If I've ever really watched one, so I'll have to maybe I'll have to give one a try. Oh, dude, I'm I'm so excited that's your that's your game of the year. I kind of figured it would be as I as it, I didn't hear it. Um, yeah, as we got closer and closer to one, and I, I didn't quite hear it. But um, did it surprise you that I put Texas Chainsaw Massacre at one? Um, I think when when I hadn't heard it at number three, I was like, shit, where is it? Um, but I. I think I was surprised, but I mean, it makes sense because, um, I mean, just hearing you talk about it and like the amount of times you brought it up on the show and just having like, you had so much to say about it. It's really in retrospect, it's, it's really not surprising. Um, and I'm really happy that that you get to champion this game. Awesome, man. Well, I'm, I'm glad I got to, to talk about it and go on my spiel over it. I'm not, it's not my last time. So...
What's your number one, dude? Well, I guess I guess you want to take a guess. <clears throat> what did Blake play a lot of this year, and hasn't mentioned yet? It, I will. I'll give you a hint. Yeah, it was on. Hint. It was on your list, and I said we'd talk about it later. Hmm. Oh, Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah, that's my number yeah. one, baby. Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah. Oh man, dude. Yeah, I I mean, we've talked about this so much. I mean, I feel like what else is there to say? Um, but I mean, it really just felt like this game was just magic. And I just just playing it, um, and just having like, like just so much, um, like just the the breadth of interactions that you could have with the game, like it's just incredible. And I guess I I really, um, you know, I spend a ton of time with Breath of the Wild, and then just coming into this game and it's new and fresh, and like it's a it's a world that you're familiar with after spending hundreds of plus hours in. And then, you know, coming in and it's different and new and it's changed and um, there's new challenges and I, I, there's it's elevated too. Like there's new art style to it. Um, I, I mean, I think this game is just incredible. And I, I actually, just because we've talked about it so much and, and um, I think it made such an impact culturally, uh, I, I wanted to instead of, I guess, describe the game and I wanted to celebrate this one moment that I had uh, that I haven't gotten the chance. I don't think I've gotten the chance to talk about it on the pod. I guess maybe I did. Uh, but it was just this moment that I had. And it, it's something new that they added. They added the depths and they added the sky islands. And I was exploring the sky islands. And I was like, you know, I really like there's this like huge thing over there. I can see it. I can't tell what it is. Um, I was like, I think I can get there. Like, I think if I, like, attach this this rocket and this fan to this, like, floating, um, I guess, like, this floating platform, like, I think I can make it over there. And I I did that, and my, my battery was, like, running low, and then I'd, like, kind of wait, and then I'd, like, hit it again, and my, I, this rocket platform, like, this platform would just, like, rocket up, and then it would, I'd stop the rockets, and, um, it would, I'd turn the fan on and the fan would, you know, push me forward a couple hundred feet. And then I have to wait for my battery to recharge. And then I'm just kind of like trying to make my way over there, um, by using these like tools that I've found around me on, on this other sky island. And I'm kind of just, just drifting through the air and the air kind of just, it kind of just shivers and something happened, but I, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it meant. And it, it happened so quickly, I, I, I didn't quite understand what it was. And I made it to a sky island. And then I, my ultimate goal was, in there's kind of like the circle of sky islands. And they're kind of like small sky islands. And then in the middle, there's this giant sphere in the sky. And I'm kind of just like, I'm just like in awe and wonder of like what this sphere is and like, I got here, like, it felt like such a journey to get from one sky island to these, like, group of smaller sky islands, and I, I got there, and I, I jumped, and I almost fell to my death because the gravity was, like, completely different in this area, and, like, when the air shivered, like, the gravity and the physics in this area were just completely changed, and there was this mystery 
connected to this huge giant sphere and and I won't spoil it um, and I think it's something that you should discover for yourself um, but essentially it's it's just like a trial it's just like a tomb um, or it's just a shrine and it just going through that um, just like that like it was just such a natural like um, just moment of wonder and discovery and just joy like it just felt like magical going from I'm gonna go check out that thing over there to like I cannot believe that they they broke all the rules in this area and like just there's this this giant sphere in the sky and around it is this field where gravity is different and as we've talked about like the game is so much about like the physics and like how things interact with each other that like for them to have changed it into such an isolated area I I mean it, it it's just an example of, you know, just the incredible moments you can have in this game. And I'm just so excited to, to keep playing more of it. Um, I, I haven't beat it. Um, I have not been spoiled, so I don't quite know, <laughs> um, you know, what the, what the end or what's in store for me at the end. Um, but I'm very excited to see where the story goes. I, I, I think I talked about on, on the podcast that one of my favorite moments in Breath of the Wild was getting your house and you kind of find your house and in Tears of the Kingdom you go back to that house and it's not it's not your house Brandon this is Zelda's house and you you have some stuff there so I don't know I don't really know where the story goes but it kind of seems like maybe Zelda and Link they're they're more than just knight and princess (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah i just i'm I'm really excited to to keep exploring this world and and seeing what else learning more about this story unraveling the love story of of like of link and zelda yeah i mean um i think magical is is the word for it you hit the nail on the head just outside of just the game itself like how are they i'm still stuck on like how are they able to pull this off on a switch Mm because there are so many other games that struggle um you know fully optimizing the the specs of the switch and and yet sometimes i'm playing tears of the kingdom and i'm like how how did they pull this how did they do this yeah and and time and time again there's just like something new you know the, the trials are just a testament to multiple ways to, to solve a problem and mm-hmm. there's always something new and just seeing the things people can create with the ultra hand ability I mean we've touched on it in the podcast before but it's it's so magical dude and, and out of this world and I'm excited to see kind of the future of this franchise you know this is one of those yeah. titles where you're just like yeah. how do they go up from here but I'm, I'm more than sure that they can um the, the amazing team that works on this franchise so I, I think yeah I, I i can't honestly i can't believe that this exists quite frankly like it's just incredible um that, that one they were able to like pull this off and that they 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 iterated on it man they iterated on breath of the wild and i i really just i also i feel like this is this is the definitive version like this is definitely what like, I feel like if you were going to play one today, like, I think that Breath of the Wild is important and what it did is, is really cool. But this game picks up, you know, you don't need to know exactly what happened. Like, 
just seeing this, like I think you can. And I guess something that I want to touch on, you know, is it's a lot darker. And I I feel like we didn't talk about this at the time when we were talking about you know Tears of the Kingdom. And I don't didn't I don't think we wanted to spoil it. But did you find out what happens when you you find these like the gloom hands? Like, did you experience that? No, I haven't. Did you do you did you know what I'm talking about when I'm saying like the gloom hands? No, I don't. I'm googling it right now. I think they're called gloom hands. Gloom hands. Okay, yeah. Oh, okay, just, yeah, those look scary. <laughs> did did you see these at all? Did you come across these in your time in Tears of the Kingdom? No, I haven't. Holy shit, dude. Okay, I just got to say um <laughs> when you're you could be exploring anything. I found them in the open world, um, like the or the overworld. I found them in caves. They are terrifying. You kind of are just walking, and then all of a sudden you come across this patch, and you real like you have to be within the patch to notice it. Uh, but it's basically the ground around you turns to this black pit, like this black um, like patch of black on the ground, and these like creepy hands are just coming out of this like black and red mass. And it, the first time it happens, it is just terrifying because they're, they're hands and they're coming at you. And like, once you trigger it, like once you kind of walk into the, you know, this path, like, or the, this patch of gloom, like they come after you, like they don't stop pursuing you. And you, you have to, you have to, I guess you can like maybe get away from them if you're, if you're really good, but they, they come after you. And I remember like the first time I, I came across these, I was like, all right, like I'm going to go for it. Like I'm going to beat them. I had like a hundred plus arrows. I had like so many recipes. Like it took me like almost an hour. Like I had three, I think I had four hearts. Like you're definitely not supposed to be able to take these out with four health or with four hearts because it took me over an hour like this this fight and I died a couple times but I like had to like heal up like I would get hit and it would basically take me down to like nothing and I basically always had to be at full health because it like one hit would I would get killed in two hits so every time I took a hit I had to heal all the way up and I just like got to the point where I ate all of my recipes and then I like towards the end I was just like eating apples and then I was eating fish I had like I had like two mushrooms left at the end and I like killed the the gloom boss. I got, and um, you get these like you get a really cool bow and a really cool sword. And there's there are a couple of them spread out, spread throughout the world. And man, they're just like so creepy. It is it is just an incredible incredible fight. Um, yeah, they definitely look scary. <laughs> I'm so glad I have not ran into these, because I would have ran away. I, I know when uh, a, a boss is too too tough for me in this game, man. I'm not that good at fighting, and I oh, think the man. the um, just having materials, like having to gather them yourself, get your own swords, and the durability aspect of it all, uh -huh. um, really keeps me from from encounters that I'm not prepared for. Um, yeah, they they man, it's just crazy. I mean, the game is just so good, dude. <laughs> Um, there, I mean, just like the, the crafting that they added to this one, it was just so, so cool because you're really just, um, um, incentivized to experiment. 
and I, I recently had an encounter where I like came across like a camp and there was some like really pow- like there was a really powerful enemy and like I was kind of like a little bit out of my depths because I hadn't played it in a while and I there's like um I, I think it's called I don't remember what it's called but it's like an item that basically you can attach to a arrow and if you shoot it at the like an enemy they get confused and they kind of get like stunned and confused and they attack their own enemies and I just kept like hitting this um this like powerful enemy with this um I think it's called like a like a bright shard or something like that and I kept hitting the enemy with an arrow attached to that and it, he just like basically wiped out the camp for me and then I kind of came in and took him out and it was just like you're really like it feels like the possibilities are endless um I mean this game is awesome it truthfully is, and, and I really look forward to playing Tears of the Kingdom in 2024 some more because I have not given this game nearly the respect it deserves in terms of, of game time, um, a, a, a work of art, and I'd love to learn more about the team behind behind this and the process yeah. because it's just, you know, if I'm ever a part of a process where I'm, I'm making a game or behind that I, I definitely want to mirror some of that ingenuity, some of that, you know, just not being bound by convention mm-hmm. that, that they exhibited here. There's just so much to learn from Tears of the Kingdom and the team behind it. It's um, yeah. truly a work of art. It, it feels, yeah, it really just feels special that they were able to pull this off. And I guess I would, I would love to hear, love to learn more about it as well. So I hope that we, we get to learn more about it in the, in the coming years. Um, but I guess for anybody that's listening, I guess you you included, Brandon, I just hop back into Tears of the Kingdom. You don't necessarily need to to know what happens at the end of Breath of the Wild. You don't necessarily need to play that. Like I, I would just I would just jump back into Tears of the Kingdom, and I think that it's a more rewarding experience. So I say just go for it. our top right. 10 games of the year for 2023 man how are you feeling game of the year dude i'm feeling good do you just want to run down your list really quick and i'll, I'll do the same yes i got you right here at number 10 i had pokemon scarlet and at pokemon nine scarlet i had street fighter 6 at eight i had zelda tears of the kingdom at seven i had diablo 4 at six i had starfield at five, I had God of War Ragnarok. Mm. At four, I had Hogwarts Legacy. At three, I had Baldur's Gate 3. At two, Spider-Man 2. And the top game for me this year, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Damn, hell yeah, man. What a year, dude. What, what a year. year. All right, my, my number 10 was Marvel Snap, um, followed by my number nine, Islets. Uh, my number eight was Whisker Squadron. Number seven was Starfield. Number six was Slay the Spire. 
Number five, Hades. Number four, Sable. Number three, The Art of Rally. Number two, Astria Six-Sided Oracles. And my number one, Tears of the Kingdom. What a year, dude. We did it, man. We did it. It feels surreal, dude. I mean, Damn. just the game of... We were a year of all of those amazing games. Just both of our, our lists are just full of amazing games with so much so many more hours to to explore there man i mean if we just stop playing anything but the games on our list we would have content for for years to come i mean truthfully there's just so much there and um yeah just a testament to the gaming industry that we love and uh want to continue to support yeah Damn, dude. I mean, yeah. I mean, what a year. It, it really was just, I mean, just such a year. So incredible. Um, do you have any any honorable mentions or any other games that you want to shout out that maybe didn't make your list that um, think are worth mentioning? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, maybe some Minecraft. Nice. Uh, some of the newer uh, updates on I feel Minecraft. Like that, that's, a, that's a forever game, man. That it definitely is one of those forever games for me. Um, what else? NBA 2K24. Mm-hmm. Definitely some improvements there this year that I, I'm grateful to see. Um, let's see what else. What else this year? Elden Ring. Mm. Elden Ring was one of those titles that almost made my list, but you kept you know, playing it through into this year. I definitely did. I kept playing it and just come in regularly. Well, not regularly, but I come in every so often occasionally and just check in continue on my character um, oh that's awesome play, play with some friends that have just gotten it and you know needed some assistance getting through it um, what else what else game I feel like I had a a mod to switch some switch games um, definitely some Halo on the Xbox actually Halo okay really yeah that Halo is good man it's free to play super super fun it's free to dude play. we should hop into that because I, I've been enjoying that I, I actually played that recently um, they added some new modes and they added some new maps and you know that really holds up it's really just it's a fun thing to just play it's a fun one to hop into I mean it doesn't I mean for me personally it doesn't hold my attention very long but whenever I hop in I, I really find it fun and my last honorable mention Pokemon Legends Arceus. I mean, okay. that one, right. you know, it definitely did some things for me um, and, and just showed me a, a different way that the Pokemon world can, can be brought to life and imagine. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I I guess I'm, I have a couple honorable mentions as well, but I guess I just want to say, dude, this is the first year that Pokemon, dude, it didn't make my list. And I really, dude, I really just felt so... Um, I guess underwhelmed and burned by Pokemon recently that I've, um, I just, I feel like I just had to take a step back and, um, I want to talk about, I guess, some of my other honorable mentions that I, that I guess will kind of lead into this, but I feel like for me, I feel like this next year, I really want to experience things that are, ter- are turn-based RPG, RPGs or JRPGs that aren't Pokemon. And I, I love Pokemon and I, I really want to, to jump into a new one or jump into some old ones, but um, I really want to experience some things that uh, are, are maybe not 
Pokemon and are, are just different JRPGs. So I think that in the next year, I'm going to try try out some different um, JRPGs. That's awesome. I'm looking forward to you getting into Dragon Quest. Because that's <laughs> one of those that really does it for me, too. It's, it's one hell of a title. Yeah, what are some I, more of your other honorable mentions? Yeah, so I, I there are t- two big ones. Um, I guess... They they both made my my game of the year list last year and I didn't hadn't finished them and then I finished them this year and I really just wanted to shout them out um, and the first one is Citizen Sleeper um, I talked at length about Citizen Sleeper um, but I mean I I finished it this year and I not only did I finish it I I finished every single ending um, I I went back and completed multiple endings. Which I've never, I've never done that in a game. Um, I mean, this game really just, just spoke to me, and it completely changed my outlook on life. And I, I really, honestly mean that. Like this game, it, I, I felt like it, it felt disingenuous to count for this year because it was on my last years. I don't even think I made my top five last year, but this game, like, if I think if I, I didn't want to even consider it because I was like, I don't know if it would, where it would have stood. It was like, I'm not even going to count it. Um, but it changed, it literally changed my outlook on life. And I just really connected with it in such a profound way. Um, it also, it, it kind of inspired me to create a second podcast called Indie Nook, which we haven't talked about in a while, but, um, go listen to my episodes on Citizen Sleeper there at Indie Nook because I just had to gush about it. Um, somewhere else because I felt like Brandon was sick of me, sick of, sick of me talking about it. So, um, man, Citizen Sleeper, just an incredible game. Um, I have a guess at your other honorable mention. Is it Stray? It. No, no. I, I actually I didn't play Stray this year. I I played Stray last year. Um, I loved it. Um, man, I I I've been thinking about revisiting that game. Um, but I, I don't have access to it. I When I originally played it, I played it, I did like a trial on PlayStation Plus. Um, and I, um, so I don't, I don't own it, but man, what an incredible game, Stray. Love Stray. Um, I actually read a really cool article about it recently. And I think it, it I think I may make a YouTube video um, that's, that's adjacent to, to Stray. And adjacent to Starfield, so I think I have I have this idea, and I, I guess I don't want to speak too much on it, but I'm I'm thinking I want to make a YouTube video about that in the coming year. Um, but anyways, so I, my number two um, uh, game or honorable mention was Eastward, and Ooh, yes, one hell of a title there, dude. I loved this game. We talked about it a ton, um, but I actually this this taught me something very profound um and i actually just finished this like a couple weeks ago like truly like a week ago um and i i just wanted to share this lesson um that it taught me and i guess it made me reflect on this year in gaming um and i have i I guess i'll just get into it The, the lesson that it taught me is that when i when i was jumping into this game when i was jumping in to play eastward like I, I loved it. I loved playing it. I thought it was so beautiful, but I, I had this like pang of guilt that I hadn't finished it. Like I, I hadn't seen it to the end. I had not finished the game, and I felt like I've been carrying that with me the whole year. 
Like it's the end of December and I truly finished it a week ago. Like I finished it in December and it's been, I feel like it's just been on my shoulders this whole year of like the game that I want to come back to and the game I want to finish. And I felt guilty for not finishing this game. And I feel like a lot of gamers um, or people that play games experience this where you just have this guilt of not finishing a game. And I feel like I was jumping on to play the game to, cause I hadn't seen the end of it. Like I wanted to, I was jumping on because I hadn't seen the end and I was frustrated that every time I played it, it seemed like the end was not in sight and I was not, cl- and it seemed like I was seemingly no closer to the end than I was when I got on. And the lesson that uh, it taught me was that, you know, you got to just play games to enjoy the moment because I really did love playing the game and I really did enjoy that moment. And I just think that the intentionality is, is important when you're hopping onto a game. I feel like you really need to hop on to enjoy it instead of hopping on to like see the end or see the story. And I feel like, or grind. Yeah. And I feel like that really, that intentionality sets the tone, um, for the enjoyment. And, um, man, I just feel like this game was really just important for me. Uh, and then I, I kind of look at my list and I've got um, one, two, three, four, arguably five roguelikes on my on my list. And all of these, there's no end to a roguelike, really. You just go in and you play a run. And I feel like because I was I was carrying this game with me the whole year, I, I wasn't able to experience other things because I, I wasn't able to play a game for the moment. And I feel like just subconsciously, that's why I was drawn to all these roguelikes. Um, so I feel like for me, this taught me a really important lesson that you just gotta play the game for the moment and it's okay to play games and it's okay, okay to have fun and just like, just play the game to have fun. And I feel like that's an important lesson that this game taught me. Yeah, man, that's one hell of a lesson and a great note to end the game of the year 2023 episode with enjoy the moment yeah Yeah, just play just play games for fun and enjoy the moment um yeah game of the year 2023 is that a wrap that's a wrap man well i guess you can expect more for uh from us in 2024 um we have something big planned i think we've kind of I think it slipped out maybe once or twice in this episode, but we have something big planned for 2024. Um, so I guess just, just wait for our episode on that. I think it's going to make a lot of sense. Um, we also, as we alluded to at the, or as we alluded to and mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we have a discord now, please, please join our discord, especially if you've made it here, if you've made it this far, join the discord. We'd love to chat with you. We would love to, to have that interaction with you. Um, uh, please join. The link will be in the description of this video. Um, and you can just, uh, you should just be able to click it and join. Um, um, if you'd also like to support us, you know, we, we have a Patreon um, and we have, you know, a, a TikTok and an Instagram. Um, but the best way that you can help us and support us is just to share this with a friend. Uh, it means the world to us. And we really hope that you enjoyed uh, this Game of the Year episode 2023.